0: Hang on, hang on, I've got a got a set. For
1: fuck's sake. <laughs> that, is, that is very fitting for this show. blood brunch.
0: everywhere.
2: He's, he's got so excited about England that he's given himself a nosebleed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. this happens, it can
0: happen for a while, but where um, when it gets really
1: hot. It used to happen to me all the time when I was a kid, when it yeah, was hot. And I used they? to wake well, up quite regularly in the morning with blood all over my pillow.
0: Yeah, that was just from the fist. Blood my pillow, that's what you are. Just
3: a
2: Gabrielle reference. <laughs> of Gabriel Classic. Classic. This isn't going to control. Fuck, fuck's sake, old man. So we <laughs> oh then go. Hang
4: go- on, go- It's
0: alright, I'm done now. That's, that's out of my system for at least 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs>
2: You need to get through this next link, Tinky. Just just do it quickly or else we'll do it again.
1: Welcome once again to the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler and something tells me that we are on course today for a bumpy ride as we cover the infamous ECW One Night Stand 2005. Joining me today firstly is Old Man, who due to a lack of social media presence has a somewhat mysterious physical identity. What I can say, however, is that when he grows his beard out, he is pretty close to resembling NXT star Tommaso Ciampa, only with more tattoos. Old Man, how are things?
0: Uh, very good thank you Ben I'm excited for today I'm looking forward to it because it's been a while since about one night stand so obviously me and me and Teddy are very settled in our life so yeah it's, it's always so like, it's always nice to experience
1: something new for
0: the first time
1: experiencing something new is how you got into that sordid relationship with the teddy
0: bear though isn't it so it was but some can something so new feel so good
1: <laughs> and also we have Tom Smith, whose identity, physical or otherwise, is perhaps a little too familiar to all of us, given his propensity to share some of his more toilet-based moments of his life. Thankfully, though, he does. Otherwise, we have nothing to put in the intro part of the show. Before we get into this, just a little plug from me to keep up with our social media channels. We are at UK. Twitter is our central activity hub, but you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube, where we occasionally offer additional stuff. So guys, straight into it, I think. ECW One Night Stand 2005 and our expectations going in. Uh, I'm going to begin with you, old man.
0: So this this show is revered, but I never watched it. There's one match that I definitely watched and watched any of the other stuff, I realised as I watched it. Uh, so I was, well, people who've listened to our tremendous episode on Living Dangerously 1999 know that ECW not really my bag. It's not really my thing. It's all a bit, it's all a bit violent for me. I like I like a wrist lock. Give me a wrist lock over three chair shots any day of the week. But I wasn't anticipating a bloodbath because it's a WWE product. So I was intrigued and excited, I'll say. I was looking forward to it. Po- possibly semi-aroused.
1: Tom, and your expectations?
2: Uh, it's hard for me to talk about my expectations because, spoiler alert, I know this show very well. I've watched it many times and I very much like it and always have. But that being said, I think it had been a very, very long time since I've watched the entire show. Um, So I was, I was very interested to see if it held up to my recollection of watching the entire show. So, yeah, I, it's, hard, it's hard to talk about the expectations when we're talking about something that I already know and very much enjoyed. But my expectations were quite high because of my previous experience in watching it.
1: And we should probably say at this moment, Tom, that you are, of course, suffering a little bit from a hangover after the celebrations from when we're recording this the night before when Chelsea won the Champions League. That should give us give people a good date of when it is that we record these episodes and how far. Yeah.
2: And spoiler, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about today. So this is (laughs) going to be some interesting garbled nonsense. Thankfully, I've got a couple of pages of notes because I was going to do it off the top. and Fuck me. I'm glad I didn't.
1: We've already had two spoiler alerts as well, so we are well on course for some fun today. Yeah, my expectations. I think I was expecting this to me to come out of this thinking it's a bit overrated. That's what I was expecting. So I was watching the show thinking, I think before, you know, before I watched it, I thought I'm going to think this is overrated given what people say about it. It is, as you say, a revered show, old man. And I thought I can remember quite a lot about it and specifically the first sort of five or so matches I can remember feeling quite like they're good but I, I remember thinking they were a bit they weren't quite as good as people make out so that was my kind of memory and my expectations going into the show and we'll see if all of that bears out but certainly I've watched this a couple of times as well so um not not a new one for me which makes a change we've had a lot of shows that none of us have watched before Yeah. So it's quite good that we've got a bit of a mix this time of of kind of um, familiarity with the show. So we begin with the usual ECW uh, start where we get Joey Styles introduced to the crowd and he comes out to a incredible outpouring of heat and emotion for him. And he himself is showing his emotions as the fans chant Joey. He begins his little uh, pre-show spiel with an, a customary oh my god to get things off yes. and up and running and then he introduces Mick Foley as his broadcast partner for the show any thoughts on this opening little bit
0: I thought it was lovely so I was a bit going back to my experience here, I was a little bit worried that this was going to be a little tribute mm-hmm. act as well like something masquerading as something and I think I immediately got from Joey Styles that this was a love thing for everyone involved rather than a obviously for WWE it was very much an opportunist thing and obviously the story goes that Rob Van Dam put it forward to Vince McMahon and Vince said he had to do it and it's very it, yeah it kind of set set in nicely and I enjoyed the man in the front row everyone's going ECW ECW he's doing it completely out of time with everyone else <laughs> just, this, just this guy I think he notices the cameras on him and then he gets distracted tell you what as well Going back to jo- Joseph Styles, he don't cry as much as Ric Flair,
2: but I have seen an awful lot of him crying. <laughs> so there's there's a couple of things. It's just so- little subtle, nice touches by it, which kind of li- really kind of demonstrate the way the show's going to go. Um, obviously just nice little touch- like the guy in the front row with the beard and the long hair is there, who was at the front row mm. of lo- so many ECW shows. Just a nice touch. I remember at the time thinking, that's a bit weird that they're bringing in Joey Styles with a broadcast partner in, in Mick Foley. He very, he very rarely had a partner on, on commentary, did he, in uh, in ECW. But I really like that, that Mick Foley's involved in the show. And he also, as we all kind of cut on during the show, he kind of keeps him on track as well. Like Mick Foley kind of keeps Joey Styles in check a bit of the time and like, knocks him down a peg to... And the other thing as well is when they bring out Mick Foley, I love the fact that he's got his Cactus Jack music, not his like Mick Foley music, which I know is just a little thing. But it's just a nice little subtlety to it, which, which I which I with nice little touch, which I really liked.
1: Indeed. Yeah, I think they do a lot of that stuff through the show. Those little things that just mm. show you that this is somebody other than Vince McMahon ultimately has been in control of the show. And therefore, it allows the people who want to, like, I guess, escape from what the WWE is and pretend that this isn't WWE creating an ECW product. It allows them to do that. It allows them to forget the fact that WWE ultimately are the ones who will be profiting from this at the end of the day. Then we get the traditional ECW opening titles and we go into the first match of the night, which is Lance Storm versus Chris Jericho. A match that goes for seven and a half minutes and ends when uh, Just Incredible comes down. He hits Jericho with a Singapore cane to give Storm the win via pinfall. Tom, your thoughts on the opener?
2: Really like this match. It's quite apparent how well they know each other. They've just been like, "God, oh, you guys go out and have a match. Have a lovely old time. You'll know what you're doing. Um, we've, we've spoken, you know, ad nauseum about Chris Jericho, but... He does a beautiful Tiger Suplex in this, so much so that I missed it when I was doing my notes. So I went to rewind it. The app on Apple TV wasn't working properly, and I had to watch the entire match over again, <laughs> which is a bit annoying. But it's 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 just a great match. I love the fact that he's Lionheart, Chris Jericho, again just a, like another one of those nice little touches. Uh, it's like, good that like Lance brings out Dawn Marie and, and the 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 reunion, if you will, of the Impact players. There's a couple of like moments in there that, that are quite though for a start this is a bit there's a little bit the crowd are largely great in this pay-per-view and there's a couple of annoying bits and the first bit is a fuck off cena chant in the middle of this match now i know you're excited about acw and you might not like john cena but i think you're doing a bit of a disservice to the two wrestlers that are in the ring by starting a chant disparaging someone who's nowhere near the card and i think it, i don't know it just annoyed me a little bit there's also a chris candido chant in the match which i wasn't quite sure about why i know he was you know he passed away at this point yeah. Yeah. He, he died six
0: weeks before. Yeah. So I'm, okay. guessing, I'm guessing it was just a little tribute to make sure that he was on the show.
2: Yeah. OK. At the beginning, you can just tell that Mick Foley and Joey Stiles are loving this, having such a yeah. good time the first plate of chops has been served in New York City is <laughs> Mick for from Joey Stars, which I quite like and uh, there's the bit where uh, Mick Foley's at least to there and he's like Joey Stars keeps on thanking people and There's there's a bit of Mick Foley's because anyone else you want to thank <laughs> Joey Stars <laughs> <laughs> it really white makes him wind his neck in um, but all in all it's, it's, it's quite a fun match there's nothing massively spectacular about it but it's just a really fun match to start to start the card and, and well into these lads and also I can't remember but is this Lance Storm's last in match they no. kind of talk about on come true no
1: I mean, it's probably his last match in WWE, I don't know, but it's definitely not his last match. I know that he was working in Europe as late as 2012, so he's definitely Rage. nowhere near his his last match. Uh,
2: so I wonder if it was his last kind of ma- contract, well, his last contracted match with WWE. It possibly was, yeah, I don't know, for definite.
0: I'd watch Lance Storm wrestle a hedgehog, I think. I bloody love Lance Storm. I think he's absolutely great. This is, Tommy's covered it beautifully. This is fast-paced athletic just really enjoyable this was something I was kind of hoping for little fast paced short ish matches it does everything you want like we talked um, the other week with um, Rick Flair and Carlito and how they stunk up the joint for 15 minutes in a really slow paced opener this is what you want from an opener you want the crowd to get into it you want Lance in it could
2: have done with a bit of Alvinus. it would have been amazing imagine that just, hello ladies everyone's like what? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Couldn't everything do with a bit, a bit of Valvina, say? Eh?
0: It bloody could,
1: you know what? Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. It's, it was a really good match. It was a really good match, and as you say, Tom, they they just seem to know. They just seem to know what they're going to do. They're obviously coming up together in the industry. When they first started, they had a tag team in smoking Mountain Wrestling. So I, th- I think that Joey Styles mentions a lot of this stuff as well. They were the thrill seekers, I believe, as a tag team. Yeah. And they just did. They just do it. They just go out there, have a really uh, simple but really effective, really tidy, pretty little match. Fans are absolutely, like, they're just cooking right from the beginning. They're just so... They are so excited about this whole show. It's not just this match, just the whole show. They just they just are going to eat up every moment. You can tell from this opener that this is going to be one of those crowds. And I think sometimes those crowds make the shows. Like we, you know, Money in the Bank 2012, I think it is, or 2011. can't remember now. God, the one where CM Punk faces John Cena yeah. in Chicago. Again, that crowd makes that a classic show. And this, already you're feeling like, okay, this could be a classic because the crowd are just there. You need the action to match it. But the reason you need the action to match it is because that's the best way to keep the crowd invested and really hyped for it. And it's a a really great way to to do it. I know know what you mean about the John Cena chance, but I felt like this is, again, one of those things where you kind of have to accept you're going to be in for certain things during the show. There are going to be some things you have to prepare yourself for that you're not going to really want. You're not going to really be necessarily – uh, you don't necessarily want to see but that is a hallmark of ECW and them being them comparing themselves or more othering themselves from the mainstream of professional wrestling is part of that and John there's no more mainstream of professional wrestling at this time than John Cena so yeah really good start really really great opener
2: Just, and go back to what you said uh, to your point about um the, the fact that like these guys know each other so well that's like a recurring theme through quite a few a couple of matches on the show as well which again lends to good matches
1: yeah I think ordinarily you would think oh we've seen this 400 times but because it's distanced time wise from everything it doesn't have that feeling mmm we then see Joey Styles and Mick Foley at the commentary table. They talk about the seats in the balcony that have been purchased by the anti-ECW group from Raw and SmackDown. Now, this is the main story going into the show that has been built on Raw and SmackDown. Nothing else has been built. There's been no other storylines built in, in terms of the show itself. Just this, the anti-ECW group that are going to appear on the show.
2: It's, it's also the, the ECW commentary covered, I believe is what it's called, Tickney.
1: Sorry, the commentary covered. I apologize.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah this is, um, I wasn't watching, uh, I didn't think, wrestling at this point. Uh, so I didn't know. And I was just like, what are they doing this for? And I was worried they were going to lose me at this point. So I was like, oh, that, like, this doesn't make any sense. Why are they doing this? But we'll see how it goes. I'll stick with it. I'll be happy, I think, come the end. But at this point, I was very confused.
1: I feel like this is the concession, if there was yeah. one. That ECW Mm. or that Paul Heyman or that Tommy Dreamer or whoever put the show together, because I'm not entirely sure who did, whoever put the show together had to make to Mm. Vince and to WWE, which was, right, well, we will have some of those guys on the show and we'll do this thing, which is almost like a show long story, which we will build up on Raw and SmackDown, which will help the buy rate anyway, which will be about them um, turning up and there being some kind of issue there uh, as a consequence.
2: But the thing is, I actually, I, I'm quite happy with this. I like this. It gives them a reason for there to be some kind of WWE involvement in it, which, whilst from a pure kind of ECW pay per view standpoint, it doesn't necessarily need, but it just, just adds this, this little kind of. If, if you were watching the product at the time, you'd be like, well, "Why are they doing this?" And that's kind of yeah. reflected in that, in that storyline, which I, which I quite like.
1: I think what it does cleverly though on the show is actually give the fans a heel because mm-hmm. there isn't any heels on the show. Yeah. You watch it. That everybody loves everybody on the show. So it gives them actually someone to focus the heat on because they've got no other heat. And actually I think over the course of the show, you know, we're never getting ahead of ourselves a bit, but I think it actually helps maintain the level of noise because it gives them that heel to pour all the heat onto. So I think you could argue that there's a purist ECW angle, which would be why are these go here guys here, we don't want them here. But I think there's another side of it which actually if you if you look at it in that respect. I think it makes a lot of
0: sense. That's a very good point.
1: We then get Pitbull Gary Wolf, who introduces a video package honoring those wrestlers from ECW's past that are no longer with us. We have Rocco Rock, Terry Gordy, Mike Lockwood, who is Erin O'Grady slash Crash Holly, The Sheik, Mike Lazansky, Pitbull Anthony Durante, Big Dick Dudley and Chris Candido. As you said, old man just recently had passed before the show
0: there um, is some phenomenal guitar over this it's reminiscent of living dangerously the sexy guitar solo that aside this was very humbling i must say seeing somebody like so i'm 37 at time of recording There's guy's like younger than me and also like literally within a couple of years
2: of my age just like passed away it's very sad yeah, it is a bit. Um, but there's a couple of things I wanted to, to ask about this. Um, so most of the people I was familiar with, who was I think, who was Mike Lozanski?
1: I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. No. I looked him up afterwards and I didn't. I couldn't. There was nothing that I it must have been from the very early days of ECW. I don't really know much about him at all.
2: Yeah, because I, I was just like, you know, recognise everyone else. And, and to put it into, into context, there's not a Wikipedia page for him yeah oh, mate, that's
1: sad yeah i mean it's it's it is a this is a kind of um reminder of the the issue with e c w the style that they had and wrestling in general is that it does have a uncomfortably large proportion of deaths early on in life, which is not good, and I don't know that's partially probably due to the bumps that are taken and the pain that people go through. It's probably partially due to the fact that there's no real medical insurance as part of employment of wrestlers. It's probably partially due to the fact that they're on the road so often and therefore are doing all kinds of stuff, drugs, drink, goodness knows what else whilst they're out on the road. And it's probably to do with the fact that actually at the lower levels, they're not paid very much at all. You know, I know that, for example, it was quite a normal payoff in the UK about five years ago to get sort of 40 quid a night. for a a show which is nothing there's nothing is it and you can imagine i i would imagine that was probably much worse in america at certain Mm. times and probably some people were working for free because they were it was kind of like well you this is your experience you get an experience so that's what you get so it's a it's a rough industry it really is and this is a a very explicit reminder of that
0: yeah the the one who always gets me is a little crush holly i i've read about that i can't remember I think I've kind of blocked some of you. It's a very sad story, I think, mm. from memory. Yeah, it's tough, isn't
1: it? It is tough indeed. So let's uh, let's mm. move on as quick as we can. So yeah, So we don't bum
0: ourselves out too much.
1: So next up, we have a three-way dance featuring Yoshihiro Tajiri, Little Guido Maritato, and Super Crazy. Um, Tajiri is with the Sinister Minister and Mikey Whipwreck. Nunzio has got Big Guido, Tony Mamaluke, Tracy Smothers, and J.T. Smith with him. So the whole of the FBI. So this comes down to... Uh, Tajiri in Super Crazy after Nunzio is eliminated. Can't remember how.
2: Mikey Mikey Whipwreck comes in and hits him with a stun off the top rope.
1: Um, and then it ends when Super crazy, crazy hits a trio of suplexes until Mikey Whipwreck gets involved. He pushes Crazy off the top rope. Crazy then um, manages to complete the Moonsault trio later on after eliminating Whipwreck and he gets the victory. Uh, old man, your thoughts on this one?
0: Super Crazy. Super is Crazy? Incredible. My God, he is fucking hell there's like a little sequence at the start of the match I was just like this guy is fucking incredible absolutely incredible he does the um, he does the balcony dive so he runs up to the balcony and uh I don't know, I don't know why you do this but he jumps off backwards does a little backwards moonsault onto the FBI the full-blooded Italians not the uh the American people Federal Bureau of Investigation MS- thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> and uh yeah, it's just just really, really good. And again, it's short as well. It's really fast-paced. I've, ri- I've written on my notes, with little time to catch your breath. There's no time to catch your breath. No time for breathing, because they're all action immediately, and it's tremendous. I did feel a little bad for Super Crazy coming down on his own, because Tajiri's got some mates. Uh, little Greedo's got some mates. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a bit sad he was on his own, but then he tore the house down, so always... Always well with the world. Go on, super crazy.
1: Yeah, this one only goes six minutes um, and features an inordinate amount of interference. As I say, we have got Mikey Ruprecht, the sinister minister, Big Guido, J.T. Smith, Tony Mamaluke, and Tracy Smothers of the FBI all involved here. Um, and we have that big balcony dive as well. But it does pack a lot in. But it is still a very enjoyable six hmm. minutes of action.
2: Tom. JT Smith asked me if an, if an innuendo was an Italian suppository. It's <laughs> <Yes>. a <laughs> <Yes>. commentary from <laughs> Joey Stars, which is great. Um, it's one of those things, I, I wanted to kind of touch on the, the moonsault for the balcony, actually, because we were very critical. It'd be, it'd be I wanted to address this because we were obviously very critical of the balcony dive that um, New Jack does. But the difference between like that and this one, which again, kind of leads into to the whole, it's an ECW, it very much feels like an ECW shape, but it's, that's, that's, but it's one that's been kind of managed by WWE, is that whilst he does do a mad spot of a balcony, he does it onto about like six people yeah. to, you know to brace the floor, therefore making it less dangerous. I... Thought this match was really good. Uh, there's a bit where the referee does a one count when Super Crazy isn't even pinning Little Guido. Yes. He, just, he just does a one <laughs> count out of nowhere for no apparent no reason. Uh, but yeah, it's all action. It's all quick. I like the I like the three way dance with the with the person getting eliminated rather than the triple threat. Mm-hmm. I think that's a quite a nice touch. And you're right, oh, man. Super Crazy is so good. Like everything he does looks so in control, and he doesn't look like he should be as agile and mobile as he is either, which yeah. is which is always always quite impressive. I do feel very sorry for Super Crazy's knees though. He really doesn't moonsault he lands leg first pretty much every time they really slam onto the mat and i dread to think what condition he's in now but overall a very very entertaining match very fun all impacts very fast and, and just a good match
1: yeah i agree i think um i think though it's worth saying i think when we watched living dangerously going back to that show we had a super crazy Yoshihiro Tajiri match on that. And I, I think Old Man in particular, I think you were much more down on that match. Not that you were down completely on it, but much more down on it than you were this one. I just wondered what you felt the difference was, I think is what
0: I was interested in. Yeah, it's weird. It'd be very interesting to go back and watch that during Super Crazy Match, again, in isolation, because I think think my preconceived notions of what that show, Living Dangerously, was going to be, I think, probably clouded what I viewed a bit. But I just thought this was great because, as you've said, there's just so much going on, and yet Super Crazy in particular really gets, like, his little moment in the sun Mm. And I've and I've developed quite the soft spot for Super Crazy. He's not quite Mr. Wrestling Number Two, <laughs> oddly, maybe the shenaniganry outside, which as Tom said, like when we talked about New Jack, I mean it's, it's a very different bump to the match in, uh to the one in the New Jack match mm. that we cover in Living, Living Dangerously 1999. I think this added to it yeah. because I think it fits in with the. It, it's kind of a continuation of the first match just in that it's fast-paced, no time to stop for anything. Yeah, it just kind of feels like it's right, we've done that. There we go, we're off now. Lovely old job.
1: I think um I think the, the what you said, Tom, about the dive being much more controlled than the New Jack one does change perception on so this. I wasn't as critical of the New Jack uh, dive as, as you were, but, but I know what you're saying. This is a much more controlled... He j- jumps onto sort of six other people. It's also super crazy. It's not New Jack, who, with all due respect barely trained to be a pro wrestler like he basically (laughs) is a guy that came in and hit people over the head with stuff that was effectively what he did super crazy is obviously a much more skilled practitioner of what you do in a ring so even in that fact the person who's executing it you feel is in more control than new jack was in fact you feel like if those people weren't there and he just did a moonsault off the off the um off the balcony it probably landed on his feet and been fine like you just feel like he's in control of it so again i feel like there is a much more controlled nature to this one but i think overall i was wondering whether or not the difference old man was the production value because even though we are in the you know the manhattan center which is not a particularly mm. major big arena there is just there's much more lighting it the the whole production feels mm. higher definition even though it's probably not high definition if so i mean it, you go back and watch dcw show from 1999 the video quality probably isn't as good as well and i don't know if that maybe yeah so then we get a video package shown of past ECW highlights. Um, I can't remember exactly what highlights were were because they do this throughout the show. There's a number of different stuff, but I don't know if either of you wanted to comment on anything here.
2: So there's there's a couple of bits in there. So it just shows like some of the mad shit happened in, in East ECW. But there's there's a couple of bits I wanted to put out. So for a start, the Sandman I wasn't blind spot is magnificent because I've heard stories about this before that apparently he genuinely walked around like Philadelphia for like a month pretending to be genuinely blind, and which is tremendous. Oh. Um, shows a couple of things there so she's public enemy getting the crowd into the ring uh, Shane Douglas doing his promo about Steamboat and all these people can kiss his ass uh, the chair has been thrown into the ring with Terry Funk and Cactus Jack and my favourite bit it shows footage of the uh, the kendo stick attack by Sandman on uh, on Tommy Dreamer mm-hmm. and there's a bit where uh, in the commentary where you hear Joey Starr saying don't worry Tommy Dreamer you don't have to prove anything You know, you, we know you're not just a pretty boy I was like hmm Interesting, there's not a phrase I'd use to describe Tommy Dreamer because, again, using a favorite old school word of ours, Tommy Dreamer's an absolute monster. <laughs> so, the fact that everyone's going like, oh, look at a pretty boy, Tommy Dreamer. I'm <laughs> not a word i used to describe him, and I'm no fucking oil painter myself.
1: Yeah, no, I thought what was great about these packages in general because as I say I haven't listed the things that were in, involved in each one. What I thought was great about them is they, they really highlighted what it was that I think made ECW successful, which is that these were the same kind of video highlights that actually ECW would put in their kind of show opening titles, sequence and that stuff. And what the reason they kept using them is because it made you want to be in the crowd. That was the whole point. It made you want to buy a ticket just to be in the crowd. So for example, when you've got all the people throwing chairs into the ring, Oh, I want to be in that crowd when they've got everybody jumping into the ring to join the public enemy. Oh, I want to be in that crowd. I want to be there. The bits with Al snow and the heads. Oh yeah. I want to be in the crowd so I can shake a head up and down. You know, those bits, things which were the lifeblood of ecw because they were the money that ecw made which is just getting people into the crowd go into the ecw arena go into the various other places that they eventually would tour around was how they made money and so that's why it was successful because they made they designed things with the idea of showing them again and again and again to set to get people to feel like they wanted to be in the crowd same with the sandman's entrance for example exactly the same thing it's actually not that kind of it's quite interesting when you watch it on screen but you kind of want to be there to experience it rather than just kind of watch it on television so i think that that's what these did really well it's kind of showed you why ecw was so successful i also found the the shane douglas promo because he obviously cut in the promo on the nwa basically that's what he's doing it was the end of the tournament to crown a new nwa champion after the nwa had split from wcw and ecw was a member of the nwa at the time shane douglas won the tournament and threw the nwa title down much to the dissatisfaction of the nwa themselves because they didn't know that was going to happen and declared the ecw title the world title that they then went on to portray as and douglas cuts that promo and he talks about jack briscoe and he talks talks about i think lucez and a few other people but he does linger on the name Ricky Steamboat which I thought was interesting and it was kind of informed my kind of viewing of that this time was informed by the fact that we now know that they were tag team partners which I had never thought about before having seen it but of course because we've Mm -hmm. recently watched the fact that even though it wasn't Shane Douglas when they actually had the match we've (laughs) seen Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas in a tag team that was kind of a bit different it's almost like he was saying yeah I know he's my mate but also Ricky Mm -hmm. Steamboat I thought it was quite interesting
2: yeah, I also I wondered if there had maybe been some residual heat because obviously steamboat and flare I think were quite close, Possibly. and there was a you know there's a bit of a he's got beef and flare, aren't they? It's possible. Who knows?
0: Both of your points are very well made. I've written down some nice memories for people, but the clips and this in particular, I think it's the next compilation that they show. It's exactly why. I have zero interest in watching ECW, especially there's there's a couple of things in the second video that we'll get to that. I really, really dislike.
2: No, you're, you're a hundred percent right on this. Cause I watched that first clip. and thought, Oh, I might go back and watch some old ECW. When we get to the second one, I'm like, no, the, the other thing, going back to that, um, that whole NWA kind of promo thing, you said they just split from, from WCW. And then they're like, oh, sorry, we've got this other promotion in our back. Oh, they've completely mugged us off. <laughs> It's been all, like, oh, and they will never be relevant ever again. <laughs> Which That's exactly been. what happened.
1: That's exactly yeah. what happened. <laughs> um, they are probably more relevant now than they have been for some time. In fact, well, I guess they had the N.W. Uh, the T.N.A. connection for a number of years.
2: But I mean, like, I mean that that dump that I had this morning was relevant to me. <laughs> it's not relevant <laughs> to anyone else.
1: <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, anyway, the third match on the show is Raymond Mysterio versus Sycosis. Um, there are lucha libre chants during this one and mysterio hits a 619 which the crowd boo then a west coast pop for the victory uh old man let's start with you your thoughts on this one
0: psychosis looks like an 80s pop star who's had a load of surgery done on his face and it's very distracting and he's also very young at this point i think he's like 32 or something it's Raymond. We know it's going to be decent.
1: Raymond Mysterio II.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they start off, like you said, there's Lucha Libre chants. Lucha, Lucha, Lucha. And uh, then Psychosis, so Chuck's on a sleeper hold. Crowd immediately booing it, which I <laughs> bloody love. I absolutely loved it. And he, Psychosis, is, to your point about WWE, he is the one guy who actually works heel, for the most part. Like he's kind of like, I don't know whether it's his face or what. But yeah, he um he takes his mask off, doesn't he, as well, which they make quite a big deal out of on commentary that he's apparently never taken his mask off in the ring. So he comes down with a mask on and then takes it off in the ring, which seems quite a tenuous first. Yeah. I, must I, don't, say.
1: I don't know what happened here. So I I'm wondering because obviously Rey Mysterio also did the same. In WCW, Seacostas lost his mask in a mask versus mask match or a mask careless. versus title match or something. He lost that that mask. But I don't know whether or not, you know, because it's Mexican tradition, you should, you should, you're supposed to unmask in the ring. And maybe on WCW television when they did it, they didn't show it or they didn't do it. I don't know. And maybe that was the idea is that he was finally ceremonially. I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for. Um, takes off the mask to show that he's finally able to do it here. I don't know. That's the only thing I could guess. But I also felt it was a bit kind of arbitrary, given that Rey Mysterio is wearing a mask, and he definitely also lost his mask in WCW.
0: To be honest, didn't even notice he was wearing a mask when he came down. To be honest, I think I might have gone for a week, Just (laughs) uh, just as he was making his entrance. Uh, Ray Mysterio, old Raymond II, does his little um like sit-down jump thing into the crowd, which looks absolutely nuts. And he, like, if Psychosis hadn't had work done before, he definitely needs it now, because it was just Ray Mysterio's bollocks in his face. Just nothing but bollocks when he landed it. But this is just continuing the, the trend. It's fast-paced. It doesn't last long enough to outstay its welcome. Like For me, I'm not. um, The whole Luta Libre stuff where they dance around, do car wheels and that. I get quite bored of that quite quickly, if that's kind of what they're doing. And this is, again, this is what, six, seven minutes? You, You get a boo for a sleeper hold. You get a boo for a 619. And then they're done and they're off in.
2: Lovely old job. Well done, lads. No complaints. So there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. The mask thing. You said they make a big deal of it. They make a big deal of it quite after the fact again mm. like Joey Styles and Mick Foley don't really know and there's a bit where Mick Foley says oh I've only just realised the significance of that he's never done that before right which I thought was I just thought was a bit weird I don't know why he needs to unmask himself I thought it detracted from it if I'm being honest because he also like to what you said old man he works heel in the match but they keep saying he took his, his mask off as a sign of respect towards the crowd so they that those two things kind of contradict mm. each other for me there's a horrible fat guy in the crowd who keeps, taking, keeps lifting his shirt up And jiggling at the camera
3: I don't know if you guys noticed it But it
2: was quite, quite upsetting I mean, I'm, I'm of a larger persuasion of myself And I wouldn't want to do that That was me, Tom <laughs> I want you, mate. You're not that, you, you ain't that big, mate You ain't that big And you weren't in the crowd either And you'd have too much respect for yourself So I'm not having that
3: Um
2: See, I, on the other hand, I really enjoy Lucha Libre matches. I like the flips. I find it really entertaining. But you're, you're right, the the, the the heel work from psychosis is really good. Rey Mysterio, everything that, he, everything that he does and everything he has ever done. So clean and crisp. Everything, he's completely controlled the entire time, which is why he is the greatest luchador of all time. He is phenomenal. Yeah, like you said, this, I think it's a seated on that Rey Mysterio does into the crowd. And that was when I was like, those those people are plants in that front row. You could just tell. Because, again, WWE... Wouldn't be reckless enough to let them just dive into the crowd. They're clearly pants as well. I noticed this at that point. And that comes back into into my mind later on. The leg drop that um, Psychosis does to Ray Mysterio while Ray Mysterio is lying on the guardrail from the top rope to the outside is fucking mad. It's absolutely mad. It looks brutal. Um, and I was a little bit annoyed. I must admit, at the fans booing the six one nine. I was a bit like, again, it was a bit like, oh fuck WWE. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just, just found it a bit annoying. And again, I'll, cut, I'll refer back to this later on. But it just it boiled my piss a little bit, if I'm being honest, because I just think, why are you booing this move that he's doing? Just because it's a move that he's been doing since he's in WWE. That was how I that was how I interpreted it. Um, I'd be interested to see what you guys think. Cause I don't I don't understand it. I don't
1: I don't really understand it either. But then I will say this again and again and again. I don't understand why Rey Mysterio. There was about five years where Rey Mysterio got heat from people, and I think partially it was because they like they were annoyed that he tried to cash in. And I put that in inverted quotes in on Eddie Guerrero passing away, and they kind of gave him a massive massive push after Eddie Guerrero had died and that. But I like I just don't understand it. I've never understood it, and there there are years where there was heat against Rey Mysterio, and I feel like first of all this is a guy that is genuinely. A great wrestler like has been for the majority of his career. Yeah. Okay. He's slowing down and has been slowing down for a while and he can't keep up what he used to do when he was 140 pounds and was like new on the scene. and used to, be able to do some absolutely tremendously exciting things but it's not like he hasn't paid his dues it's not like he hasn't like trained it's not like his family aren't like in the business like invested in it it's not like he hasn't you know done everything that he should do as a pro wrestler to get him to where he is and doesn't and it's not like he doesn't deserve to have, to make some money out of it for after all um, I just never understand it, and this is just part of that general feeling about never understanding certain parts of the the crowd reaction to Rey Mysterio. The good thing is that the ECW fans at least don't boo him; they're just booing that move. And I don't, I just say I don't know why. I again, I assume maybe it's just because it's something he's done in WWE only. But uh, I, you know, I, I said I guess at least he wasn't booing Rey but they weren't booing Ray Mysterio himself, which is you know, something I never understood at all ever.
2: Yeah, I'm just for, for, finally, it's a really good match. I really like it. Again. Going back to what we said about joking last time, these two know each other. Apparently, they've fought each other over 500 times. They know what they're doing in the ring with each other. It's fucking great. Go on, England. Yeah,
0: Do you know what? Finally, some bloody sense has been spoken. Come on, England. <laughs> <laughs> going back to Mysterio. we will be
2: we
1: will be back with you in a moment on the English Defence League podcast.
0: <laughs> no, fuck that. It was about football. Go on, England. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Rey Mysterio getting booed. Weird. You remember when he got booed out of the building for not being Daniel Bryan at that Royal Rumble? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was incredible. I can't remember who it was. Poor Ray. Poor Ray. I can't remember who it was. Someone was talking about it. My God, they were seething. They were seething. And this is months afterwards as well. They were so angry with the fans because they're idiots. It's a Ray mystery why he gets booed and why these people... Want to six one whine about him?
1: <laughs> I think. Hey, uh, I think. <laughs> so I'm still happy
0: with him.
1: I think the, Dan, the Daniel Bryan thing, the Royal Rumble Twenty Fourteen thing, was about circumstance. I think it wouldn't have mattered who came about out. About circumcision? What the fuck <laughs> do you want about, Tinky? <laughs> he would have had that. It would have had the reaction whoever came out at that point. <laughs> I don't think that was specifically about Mysterio, but there have been many times when there have been boos for Mysterio, and I don't i've never really understood it why what i will say is i didn't think this match was that great i thought it was okay i thought the previous two matches were better than this i thought this was sloppy in one or two places and um was that was a disappointment and i just think that yeah it was all right it it, it didn't it, i didn't think it was amazing but i thought it was all right and um it was uh it was decent did his job as you say they know each other really well uh and again it, it kind of plays into this whole show really as you said you've got you know tajiri and super crazy have their match Lance Storm and Chris Jericho have their match. And when I say their match, I mean the match that they've they've built over years, the match they know how to have, um, and they're revisiting at this point. We then get the SmackDown anti-ECW cru- Crusaders arrive, which include Kurt Angle, JBL, Orlando Jordan, The Bashams, and Carlito, possibly some others, but I didn't know them here. There are Fuck You SmackDown and You Suck Dick chants uh, aimed yeah. at the group. Uh, any thoughts about their entrance to the arena here?
0: I absolutely love the fact that some of them were wearing SmackDown polo shirts. It's just incredible. And I think it's probably so that people knew who the Bashams were. <laughs> oh, you're cool in that case. We better let you in. So JBL, quite repulsive on this show. And he's meant to be, so I get that. But the first thing he does when he gets on the little bell is he shouts down to Ray. So Ray is looking at him. He's confused Ray. It's a Ray mystery to him why they're there and why they're trying to ruin the night he alters to go and he goes i've got a ticket you little mexican and i was just like "What the fucking doing what are you doing what are you doing john you've let yourself down well this
1: was yeah. a large part of that character though wasn't it like when yeah he
0: first up, like when he took the belt off
1: of eddie Guerrero, that was all part of that as well like the guy, yeah there's all these immigrants coming in and whatever that was his, that was part of his stick
0: yeah it it's just uh, stuff like that I find obviously we're living like this is sixteen years ago at the time of recording i have very uh I realized quite how horrible wrestling is just quietly horrible, obviously we'll get uh, a little bit later on as well we'll get into some sexism
2: as well, which is nice
0: so to look forward to for the listeners. <laughs>
2: Um, I think there's there's a couple of bits about this. You're right about JBR. It, it and even at the time it was t- t- distasteful, I think. Yeah. Um but there's there's a there's a couple of bits that I just know a little few a few notes. The use of Dick Chant was obviously one of them. Um <laughs> I, I did I couldn't help but think it's a shame that Kurt Angle didn't have a match on this and I know it wouldn't have made sense. Because he was he was never in ECW, but he made obviously that one he he turned up to that one show and left. But it's just a shame because he that that crowd would have eaten up a good match between Kurt Angle and someone. Um, mm. But you know it's whatever, it wouldn't have made sense. Um, and I know there's secure and all, but and it, just, I'll double down on this when when the Raw team come up. But especially with JBL, you've got to have some fucking bottles to walk through that crowd as well. They don't they yeah. don't like sneak through a back door and they're there all of a sudden, they walk through the crowd. Mm. And I know that I think that it's not like it was in the territory days where people are getting knifed and fucking <laughs> you know, going through crowds and stuff like that. But there's still that's quite a hostile crowd and they are giving them like heat the entire time. So I think I'd feel a little bit fucking intimidated going through there as well. Yeah.
1: I, I think though that that might be tempered by the fact that you've got Kurt Angle stood behind you, ready to just jump in if anyone yeah. <laughs> if anyone yeah. wants yeah. to try it. <laughs> But yeah, you're, you're you are right. Yeah, no, it, this was good, and the the heat that, as you said, the heat they've got on them is just is just nuclear. It's fantastic. We then get another ECW highlights video package. Now, again, I I don't remember exactly what was in this because I haven't written it down, but you guys obviously have some things to say.
2: Yeah, so there's there's a couple. There are some good bits in this. So for a start, Jerry Lawler turning up in ECW yeah. is amazing. This must be a toilet bowl because I'm surrounded by shit. It's amazing. <laughs> Austin in person in Bischoff. It's amazing as well to work Monday night Quill and He's sat there with no trousers on behind the desk. <laughs> it's great. Um, then there's the other bit that I wanted to kind of mention is, is um, the footage of Taz beating Shane Douglas for the ECW title looks tremendous, and Taz in that moment is in tremendous shape as well. So fair play to the lad. But then there's the bad that comes with it. First of all, they tend to they seem to seemingly glorify Benoit breaking Sabu's neck. Oh, a little bit which is fucking disgusting that clip yeah. of him landing on his head is horrible you almost you can almost I know it's because of the way he, he lands but you can almost see his neck breaking at the time it's disgusting yeah. and then you get Tommy Dreamer pile driving Beulah Magulakay, and the Dudley Boys 3D'ing someone I can't remember who some, some, some woman either Francine or Beulah or Dawn Marie or someone and it's just like I don't want to see that you don't. why Why? this is supposed to be glorifying ECW. why are you showing footage of women getting beaten up you know what I mean? That was what what made me think, "Mm, no, maybe I don't want to watch the VCW after this. Yeah, definitely. Especially the Sabu thing. The Sabu thing
0: is weird as well because they show it three times, I think. And I was just like, why would you want that? I know it played a big part in any storyline, I believe. But I was just like, oh, why is that? And there is also a, um, and I might be getting this wrong, but Raven is held in like uh, arms out handcuffed to a cage and tommy dreamer hits him with a couple of chair shots completely unprotected now you may know best this is this the thing that angle was at no it's something where someone's put in a like crucifixion position isn't there
1: yeah but he was actually put on a cross that's the difference. Uh, he was actually uh, going across. And he had barbed wire around his um, head as uh, well. Like, Je- Jesus Christ. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Well, I mean, first of all, if if unprotected chair shots are not your bag, you might want to switch the TV off now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we've got a few coming up later on. I get it with the women thing. I think, that's, I think that's a fair criticism. The only mitigating thing I would say about including it on this show is that Raw and SmackDown were still doing it at this period mm. in time. Um, it wasn't really uh any different from what you were seeing on on television i guess the only difference is again i feel like the the lack of production value of ecw actually makes lots of this seem worse it makes it seem yeah maybe more violent or more explicit even though it actually if you look at it in true true context it is exactly the same as what wwe were doing at the time so yeah i got and the sabu thing so I looked away. I can't watch anything like that. Any, you know, Tom, I remember when we were much younger, he used to show me like these videos of skateboarders breaking their legs and goodness knows what else and him laughing his head off at them. I couldn't even look. I couldn't even look. I literally, legitimately cannot watch anything like that. So I absolutely did not want to look at it. But I think, again, the intention was you've got this guy, Sabu, who's working for you, who is going to work for you in the past, who's You know, injured himself really badly. Use it to make money, so that he can make money as well in the future. You know, it's 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 all part. Like it's happened now, you can't change that it's happened. Let's use it to make money, and that's that was the ethos. I'm not saying it's necessarily right, but it that was that was how they saw that everything that they did. It was very much a case of, you know, with the Sandman. You know, I know he wasn't actually blinded, but the idea being that, you know, we can we can use this as a way, again, just to generate interest in what we're doing and talk them into buying the tickets that basically keep this company running.
0: Well, and also with the um, I've literally just made this connection, obviously, the Sabu thing for the viewing public and for the uh, people watching on pay-per-view, it plays into what happens very shortly afterwards. Indeed. As well. Yeah. And um, yeah, I feel like you've uh, hit on an important point because uh, it's very easy for me to sit here and just go, oh, this is bloody horrible. This is horrible. The reality is, is that I know I never liked WC, um, ECW, but the unprotected chair shots uh, around this period in WWE, lapping it up, lapping it up like a dog around a bowl of milk. I was absolutely love it. It's It's the benefit of hindsight in knowing what we know now of concussions and yeah. head trauma and stuff like that so yeah
1: and in defense of you and, and of us in, in general we always call everybody out for this stuff anyway it's just yeah. so happens to be that when it's ECW and that's such a core part of their product it's yeah. so much easier to criticize them because it's always there but we will always criticize misogyny we always crit- criticize you know unprotected chair shots you guys in particular always criticize where there's a move that you you feel is kind of like like mike awesome the pu the power bomb he did on canyon in Slam slamboree that time mm. you always call it out so it's not like we're we're being hypocrites yeah. i'm just trying to i guess i'm just trying to say this is you kind of have to accept it when it's ecw because yes. that's the product that's what they were yes. offering
3: yeah
1: we then get joel gutner show up and attempt to interview the smackdown guys they pretty much just get rid of him immediately. Um, they shove him down and kick him out. Angle then cuts a promo on the ECW fans and says, when the fans are shouting, you suck dick, oh. he says, your mother showed me how. <laughs> oh, uh,
2: it's amazing. It's so amazing. He, he amazing.
1: then says they're going to make sure that every ECW wrestler who steps in that ring gets their ass kicked. JBL then gets the microphone and says that if you want to put his name on the marquee of MSG, it would sell out. But ECW can't even sell out a bingo hall. JBL then delivers a promo with real conviction, I've put, and he's he eh? then interrupted by Rob Van Damme's music. Before we get to Rob Van Damme, any thoughts on this stuff?
2: I fucking love this, but it's amazing. Although, I've got to say, fuck it up. do only pushed push Joel Gertner off the fucking balcony there's a low balcony, and JBL absolutely nails him, and he's one kind of like misplaced step away from going ass over tit and absolutely dying, so that that was a bit odd, you're right about the, the you suck dick, your mother we totally chant it is fucking amazing it's so good, because again it, it plays into that kind of nerd Kurt Angle character as well, that even though he's not really doing it at this point anymore but that that's the best he's got which is fucking brilliant There's obviously, yeah, the callback to when Angle left ECW before even signing for them because he thought the show was so disgusting. And the heat on JBL when he's delivering his promo, as he said to passionately, with uh, so much belief in what he's saying. Because he's obviously been told by Vincent Mann or someone to go out there and just fucking shit all over them. And I don't think he needed much of a push, really, to be honest. You can tell the disdain for which he holds the product in. Lovely bit when JBL's doing the pro, Kurt Angle gets so ham, so ham, he takes his, pops his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And, and then he's there, with shirtless for the rest of the night. It's so
0: funny. <laughs> well, and Angle holds his shirt up. For a little bit, you could just see him. He's like, "Yeah, that's me. That is that's fucking." Your point on a uh, JBL is 100% correct, with you. He like he looks like he is gonna pass out. He is so angry at ECW for reasons I don't really understand. But I thought sweet irony that. A man who worked with almost disdain for people's bodies from the matches that we've seen of Bradshaw and JBL to be that head up about something that. So going back to our point like ECW, this is what it is. It's people whacking people with stuff for a fair portion of the show. They know what they're getting into. I'm guessing that some of the guys that fucking JBL potatoed with his horrible fists and kicked the shit out of in the ring probably didn't sign up for that and didn't know they were getting in for that. But that being said, it's fucking tremendous. And when R V D comes out, we have a lovely old time.
1: Yeah, I think um I think JBL is is phenomenal actually at this point like and i don't know maybe it was vince man but i i kind of hope that it's somebody who's running the show paul Heyman, tommy juma whoever mm. it is who's put this together i'm hoping it's them who said let's go out there and cut like because that's what they would do ultimately that's what ecw <clears> would do is they just say look go out there and say what you want and so i hope that it is someone just saying that this this is exactly what we want we want the the, the show long storyline is these guys have come here to ruin the show they've come here to like belittle everything we're doing and at some point, hopefully they'll get their they'll get their just desserts. And ultimately that's what we see play out in front of us. And so it plays perfectly into the show long storyline to me. So I don't I don't know if it is a, a kind of Vincent McMahon telling JBL just go out there and say, well, I think it's whoever may came up with the show. Say go out there and say what you want about us because that's that will just get the heat on and he does and he and you're right i think he probably does believe most of it what he's saying mm. i think he does actually believe it but that's that's the name of the game if you or at least getting yourself into a position where you can allow yourself to believe what you believe about the people you don't mm. like then you can really generate real emotion in yourself and that just pours into people watching you can feed it when you're watching it is that he feels completely just disdain and anger for all these people that are here to celebrate something that he wasn't a part of and didn't understand and didn't like.
0: To be honest, it jumps out of the screen. He's getting so angry. He's so fucking angry. And he, oh, bloody lovely. I, I get the feeling he probably p- popped a hemorrhoid. He was so angry. He's <laughs> of <laughs> <laughs> this
2: house since 1973.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so then, yes,
1: Rob Van Dam's music comes on. He comes to the ring with Bill Alfonso. And there are extremely loud chants of RVD. He then cuts a promo on JBL, saying that the fans are fed up of seeing JBL uh, when they want to watch wrestling. RVD says he'll be shooting from the heart, as he doesn't have anybody writing his script today. Then he says that he will not, his promo won't be confined to the words cool and whatever, which is obviously how he was portrayed on WWE television during this time. He talks about how he came up with the idea for One Night Stand and then says that not being able to wrestle at one One Night Stand sucks worse than any other point of him missing anything else that he could possibly have missed, including WrestleManias and various other things. And he'd give everything up to wrestle here. Thoughts on this promo from Rob Van Dam?
0: To be honest, I thought it was decent. It was just a guy chatting. And that was obviously the intention as well. And it was quite nice. It's nice to hear RVD talk normally, just to just be talking. And like, again, it's the love that he has for ECW and more importantly, the people that are there, the audience, like it really comes across... That's quite a, quite heartwarming stuff, I thought. I really enjoy it. Bill Alfonso could fuck off with his whistle. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just because I find it so intensely annoying. But yeah, just really good. It's just that this is a really, really excellent little section of the show that goes on for quite a long time. It does. I was on board anyway. And by the end of this, I'm fully like, yeah, you know what?
2: I'm fucking balls deep in this. <laughs> Tom? Uh, yeah, it's more to the point. I do feel a bit bad for old uh, for old Robert. He uh, because he's obviously injured, hence why he doesn't have a match in the show. And he he makes like that. There's obviously yeah, the little dig at read, but overall it's just quite good. He, at one point he claims that One Night Stand is his idea, and I, I wonder if it was. I'm not 100% it, sure. It,
0: it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard this in interviews with various people that he just um, he just put it to Vince that yeah. there was because they'd done the um, Rise and Fall of ECW, and it was their biggest selling DVD yeah. of all time, and he said, "Look, why don't we?" Just do this. And Vince apparently literally turned around and said, yeah,
2: just do it, Rob. OK, because apparently Tommy Dreamer had a big hand in it as well. Yeah, I I
1: think Tommy Dreamer is a large part of bringing the show together, bringing the people involved and possibly even booking it all. I don't know. Paul Heyman is framed during the show as being a large part of what's going on backstage. I don't know how much he had involved in it. Certainly, yeah. though, it's believed Tommy Dreamer was a, a major part of pulling it all together and getting it done. Yeah,
2: it's but it is, it's it's a good promo. He mentions the fact that he couldn't attend Booker T's wedding, which is very sad. But yeah, no, it's just good. And as Old Man said, this this entire stretch of the show is very good.
1: I, I do like this. And I think um, they had to have Rob Van Dam on the show. He was injured, but they had to have him involved in some way. They had to give him almost a way of attacking the heels without actually fighting them because he couldn't really do it although saying that he does do some fighting later on i think what's interesting though as well is that this for me even though it's got all the smackdown people it still evokes ecw if you go back to living dangerously 99 the whole bit with the dudley boys and the promo they did and then the impromptu match that comes after it and the various people coming in and being in entrances and music being played to to signal those entrances this is all of that stuff it's just Done with Rob Van Dam and the WWE guys, and and what we come on to next. So like it, it still feels like ECW without, even though it's got these WWE elements to it, it still has rings Mm. true as part of ECW's product. Yeah. Rhino then runs into the ring and attacks Rob Van Dam. The lights then go out and Sabu appears, much to the delight of the fans, and we have ourselves an impromptu match. Sabu against Rhino. This one goes for six and a half minutes as well, so another six-minute match. It ends when Sabu hits the Arabian Facebuster through a table for the victory. Old man, your thoughts?
0: Well. I know on the gore that Rhino gives RVD, it is... I mean, I felt it 16 years later, and I've not got my knee in a brace. My God, he fucking hell... He almost kills him. So this is the first stereotypically ECW match of the evening for my eyes. And you know what? Thoroughly enjoyed it. I was quite surprised. But again, it's... um, it doesn't outstay his welcome. It's six and a half minutes. It gets what it needs to get done. And then everybody sneaks off. The crowd are beyond happy to see Sabu. And to be honest, having linked it with the broken neck and the fact that he, he was never going to wrestle again, which the commentators do an excellent job of pointing out, is quite quite nice. Again, it's like there's just this undercurrent of warmth, I think, for the ECW guys running through this show, like it feels like. And Joey Styles says this. He says this and barely legal. Their very first pay per view. He said this is the best night of his professional life, and that really comes across for a lot of people, I think, as well. Uh, yeah, just decent. One thing on the on note on the commentators, the commentators and Tommy kind of alluded to this are tremendous foley and styles are excellent throughout the whole show but foley does drop a little bit of a soccer bollock when he uh he, he chooses this match to have his little rant about how ecw is more than just chairs and chair shots and tables i was like that's all this matches me. It's chairs and tables. <laughs> and, but yeah, like I surprised myself. I enjoyed it. I got a lovely little warm spot for Rhino. I always liked Rhino, even when he turned into a wardrobe when he got a bit a bit larger <laughs> later on in his career. yeah, always enjoyed it. Lovely old job. On
2: to the next one, please Barkeep. Oh god, don't mention barkeep, mate. Oh, <laughs> um I, perception is a funny thing, isn't it? Because I, I really enjoyed this match as well. But I would say 'cause I always loved Sabu's use of chairs where he springboard, you know, use them to like spring like props them up, jumps onto the rope springboards and stuff. And there's a bit where he, he kinda of just the chairs set up in the ring and uh, he just, like walks over jumps up on the chair, hits a leg drop, and I'm like, that looks amazing. And then I realised that that chair is probably about the same height as the bottom rope. <laughs> <laughs> that looks really cool. If you did a leg drop off the bottom rope, it would have been even cooler. Yeah, it's 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 really great. I mean, it's, again, really fun matches. It's the first of the extreme matches, as, as you kind of said, old man. Um, There's a bit where Bill Alfonso jumps into the ring to celebrate at one point, and it's like a one kick <laughs> <laughs> which made me chuckle, because he's set up for it. Obviously, RBD hits like a minivan Terminator on Rhino at some point which must have been fucking awful for his knees. But then obviously Sabu wins with the Arabian skull crusher on right over the table. And I thought to myself, presumably that's why they call him the skull crusher. (laughs) (laughs) You having that one, Tinky? I knew.
1: Doing everything he can to get them in now. It's just it's just incredible. That was natural, though, mate. If you you say so. Um, The um yeah, no, I I, I like this match. I, I thought it was perfectly fine. I mean, I don't get wrong. I think it was great. It was about the same as the mysterious psychosis match for me. It was OK. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And they kept it brief and it allowed Rob Van Dam to get a little bit physical in the match. It gave Sabu the spot that he should have, because, again, you can't really have an ECW revival show without Sabu and without him putting somebody through a table and using chair uh, using yeah chairs to jump off of. But, um, yeah, it, it was perfectly a perfectly functional part of the show. And at this point, we are doing pretty well. We're doing we're doing well into the show. And I think on that note, it's a good time for me to let us have a little break. And we'll come back in just a few moments.
4: I, I want you to know I'm not crying. My eyes are red because I was in the back smoking a joint with Van Dam. Yeah! I have a need in my heart to thank Todd Gordon for giving me the chance to be creative and to book for you crazy bastards. I have a need to thank that man, the phone and his partner, Charlie Pradeep, for sticking with us and sitting in a TV studio and building that TV show for you. You are the craziest bastards I've ever met in my life. love everyone and I, I was gonna take the high road and just say thank you and leave but I have something to say to you you see I've waited a long time to say this to you Eric Powerhouse, bitch!
2: Oh, wait a minute,
4: wait a minute, wait a minute. Hide your wives, it's Edge! I know nobody with a written promo has the balls to say this to you, but I have two words for you. Matt freaking Hardy! Mr. Shoot Promo himself. Bounce checks, ECW went out of business. Hey, John, on a personal note, from all of us, just to you, since you want to shoot, cowboy, the only reason you are WWE champion for a year is because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesday. <laughs> One more time for old times sake. Right there so the whole world can see us. This ain't WCW. This ain't Monday Night Raw. This ain't Smackdown. This ain't even WWE. This, my friends, is ECW.
1: Welcome back to the show. Um, So we are now heading into the second half and we begin with Al Snow backstage and he's with Head and they're having a lovely little chat. He accuses the head of inviting the SmackDown wrestlers to the arena.
2: So he's not backstage, mate. He's in the ECW cupboard. I'm going to keep correcting you until you get this right.
1: (laughs) Well, he can't be in the cupboard because Foley and Joey Styles aren't there. So how would they be in the same cupboard?
2: It's a different cupboard or it's a big cupboard. Either way, he's in the cupboard.
1: ECW cupboard number two is where he is. Yeah,
2: and there's Mr. Wrestling's hanging out in House Off.
1: So we get another video highlights package. Again, no idea what was on this one because I wasn't listing them out. I don't know if you had any specific notes on this one, Tom?
2: Uh, Heads being thrown into the ring. Uh, A bit about the Blue World Order, which I guess gives a little bit of context for those who aren't ECW fans for later on in the show. A couple of cool uh, clips from um, the matches that we'll call them the tussles between uh, Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow. Mm-hmm. Um, got kind of go through the ring, go through the stage. Incidentally, actually, was Bam Bam Bigelow dead at this point? If so, it's a bit remiss of them to not put him in the, uh, in the, in memory of bit. And it also shows the, the moment where, um, Sabu kind of returned against Taz, which looks absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. But luckily, they yeah, haven't forgotten, they've got to show more footage of women going through tables. So I was worried for a moment there weren't going to be any more of that. Thankfully there was.
1: So Bam Bam Bigelow died in 2007.
2: So a couple of years uh, after this, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shame that there wasn't any, there was no involvement from him at all, even to turn up, like in the way in a, the, the perfunctory way that like Foley does, or, or, or another person does a bit later.
1: Well, there's a, I guess there is a, a couple of people that are missing from the show, so Bam and Bigger being one, Raven being another obvious one i would suggest shane douglas um never particularly happy with the wwf after his 19 mid 90s run um wasn't there and terry funk i suppose is another one you would uh, suggest might might possibly be someone that should be there but yeah there so there are a couple of absences
2: mm. terry funk's too busy getting fucking bummed by Henry costa didn't he <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: we all need to take time out for that tom all right <laughs> yeah, that's
0: true i i know on the sabu and taz face-off, and- To your point, Tinky, about these things making you want to be in the crowd, I wanted to be in that crowd. Mm. That looked fucking amazing. It looked tremendous. Well done, ECW.
2: So then
1: the Raw guys turn up. Eric Bischoff, Edge, William Regal, Snitsky, Christian Tyson, Tomko, Co, Jonathan Coachman, amongst others. I'm, sure, I'm assuming there were others, but again, didn't catch who they were. Uh, they come out and uh, face the same barrage of heat from the ECW fans mm. as the SmackDown guys did too. I quite like the fact that they didn't all come together. I quite like the fact that the Raw guys turned up later.
2: The fact is, though, they turned up that late and they've all got their tickets to show them to everyone. Colossal waste of money. <laughs>
1: i think they're saying though that they you know they have money to burn that's why they're able to Mm -hmm. to miss half the show
0: i'm glad you said tyson tomco because i wouldn't have got that in a month of sundays
1: (laughs) and we all need a month of sundays from time to time
2: yes it's nice to see old Snitsky in there again like we said when the smackdown anti-ecw Crusaders picked up. Fair fucks the bishop because they despise him. He's a he's brilliant in this when he comes in. He's such a snide dick face and uh, and a dick face,
0: (laughs) a little phallic face.
1: Not just a dick face, but a snide one at that. Yeah. Um, so we then have the next match, Chris Benoit against Eddie Guerrero in a match the longest of the night, lasting just over 10 minutes, uh, which ends when Benoit locks in a cripple across crossface and Guerrero oh. taps. Old Man, any thoughts on this one?
0: So there's a quick note. So when Benoit's music hits, the camera is on Edge. Edge looks like he's going to burst into tears, <laughs> which I thought was very odd. <laughs> But he, well, to my knowledge, he doesn't burst into tears. We'll have to try and contact Adam to find out. I found this very tough to watch. I don't really know why either, because we've watched Benoit matches. I think it's because Guerrero's in it as well. I found this really, really hard to watch and to enjoy. We touched upon this in, I it was a tag match at WrestleMania 19 where Guerrero and Benoit are both in it. And I think it was Tinky, you raised the point of how they slam into the mat. They proper chuck their bodies into the mat and they do a suplex from the top rope, which I felt just watching it, it was horrible. And I think because I obviously know what comes in particular with Benoit and also with Guerrero, Foley does a description of the effects of German suplexes on the body. And that legitimately sent shivers up my spine because it's basically everything that has been proven to have happened to not only Benoit but so many other people like wrestlers and NFL players and even footballers now um yeah I found it very hard to watch I also I don't know whether it was this but I also didn't think it was very good and I thought it was quite sloppy and it was um I also wondered and I will I will mention this when Guerrero comes out he looks fucked like he's not in a very good way like he looks like he might have been having a bit of fun backstage and i wasn't sure whether to say that on here because obviously we don't know and by all accounts guerrero was clean at this point
1: i mean i mean we're not long from his death either it's like about four Uh, months prior to mm -hmm. him dying so again it's even if he's not done anything like that doesn't mean that his general condition whether it yeah. be because he's worn down and exhausted who knows um isn't necessarily very good at the time
2: the, the biggest takeaway from this match is i think it's a shame that the anti ecw crusaders turned up before this match because they're a big distraction throughout the entire match some quite unsavory chance towards lita in there i mm-hmm. fucked lita and lita's got herpes chance yeah. going on which is quite unfortunate So I didn't mind this match, if I'm being honest. Weirdly, as I said to you guys before, when I've watched specifically that 19 match, I struggled watching the Benoit match, but I didn't with this one for some reason. I think it might be because I know this match already. I -hmm. think maybe seeing new Benoit matches with the context of what he did, I watched them differently to matches that I already know quite well. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but that's what I think. But I noticed Eddie looking a bit odd when he came out, and I just attributed that Right from the beginning, Eddie grow come out. At this point, I don't know what his, what he was doing in WWE, whether he was a heel or a babyface or not. But as soon as he comes out, you can tell that he's the heel in the match mm. straight away just because of his facial expressions and his mannerisms. Eddie takes a bump to the nose at the beginning of the match. Yeah. And they have to have a little break, which I thought was a bit unusual. Again, it could be the fact that he's just a bit of a ring general and knows that he can get a little bit of heat. But he does get a little bonk on the news, <laughs> And you can tell that it, it generally is affecting him a little bit. Um, some of the most savage-sounding chops you'll hear outside of a kenta Kobachi match. <laughs> absolutely brutal. And you know it's uh, fucking a hell of a chop when it thuds. You, you know, you hear the thud rather than a chop, and they, they kick the shit out of each other. I didn't mind the match, actually. I thought it was okay. Um, and at the end of the match, after Eddie Guerrero taps to the crossface, so Benoit's on the rope, and he cuts up to JBL, and he goes, Get off, Smackdown! <laughs> <laughs> Which I
1: enjoyed. Yeah, I agree, Tom, that the, um, the anti-ECW Crusaders do affect this match. I was looking at the crowd for large parts of this match, and they are, nearly all of them, looking up at the balcony where the Raw and SmackDown superstars are are sat. And even when they're not doing anything, like you can actually see the Raw and SmackDown stars just sat down watching the match, but they are still being a distraction to the fans. are all looking up at them um, and chanting up at them and all kinds of things, trying to get a rise out of them ultimately. And I actually think that this is the worst thing on this show, this match, which you would have never... I can't believe you would say that about Benoit mm. versus Guerrero match, but it, I think it is. like it is. It doesn't really go anywhere. The chops are the best thing in the match. They absolutely like chop the hell out of each other and i'm not saying it's a bad match but when it's ben juan guerrero for 10 minutes you know that if they don't hit a certain level it is a bad match because they are capable of so much more now i don't know what that's due to i don't know if it's down to the fact they've only got 10 minutes to do this i don't know if it's down to the fact that the crowd are distracted i don't know if it's down to the fact that maybe the two of them weren't really on that night i don't know what it is but ultimately i just Found it to be extremely disappointing and not the kind of showpiece that clearly they were going for. Joey Styles himself is kind of bigging this up as a sort of dream match. The mm-hmm. idea that they never faced each other in ECW at any point kind of ranks high on his kind of on his radar during this match. And it just is, yeah, it's not, it's not the epic collision that they obviously were going for with this one.
2: I wonder, if I think you, the time is a really important thing to because to, they don't have the chance to build the match, really. And I wonder if the fact that there's, there's two things, I think, two things that don't work in its favour. The fact that there isn't, you can have a 10-minute match between these two and it'd be really good if there's a meaningful reason for it to happen if there's a storyline going into it and they need it to just be over quickly, or they can have a match for no reason, such as this is, but make it a little bit longer and build a reason into it happening in the match or a reason for it, to, for it to be important into the match and they don't have the opportunity to do either. That, coupled with the distracted crowd, I think probably does take away from it.
0: It also feels quite out of place, I think, because all of the matches so far have been quick high energy stuff and they've all lasted six to seven minutes and I know it's only three extra minutes but you're almost doubling the length of the longest match that we've watched so far and for me I think that was a big thing in that as well and also I found it quite uncomfortable
1: I think this is supposed to be going back to Living Dangerous 99 Rob Van Damme, Jerry Lynn I think it, Old Man you commented that you found that that felt out of place because it was 20 mm. minutes long and it was much longer and, and more kind of involved match And I think that's what this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be the match in this show which mimics those kinds of encounters between Van Damme and Jerry Lynn or other such matches it just mm. doesn't do it and they don't give it enough time they 10 and a half minutes isn't enough but i think ultimately it's just and maybe this is where the show does suffer from the raw smackdown stuff that happens because they've got to find mm. a lot of time for all the raw and smackdown bits that that, mm. that take place during the show and maybe this is where it suffer, suffers There's maybe this is where they had to shave off you know five six seven minutes from mm. a, a match i don't know
2: i also think as well it's it's interestingly placed because you'd say this is this is the the two the biggest names that on this card that will do a wrestling match so they have to put it at this point to break up between obviously you've got the first of the kind of ecw style hardcore matches with rhino and sabu and then the next two matches are very much in ecw's wheelhouse so the placing of it is is there for that reason but again, I think I think you're right. I think they needed an extra couple of minutes to, to turn it into a, into a very good match.
1: I think also this uh, this point was where I was like going back to my pre-show expectations. This is the point where I was like, this is why I think the show is, or how I believed the show was going to be overrated, was that if you look through the lineup and you're like, oh yeah. Lance Storm, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit versus Guerrero, Mysterio versus Psychosis, Super, uh, super Crazy, uh, Nunzio and Tajiri. And you've got those matches like, oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. But if they don't deliver, and I would say that Benoit Guerrero doesn't, I'd say that Mysterio Psychosis are a notch below what I was hoping for as well. Then you're like, oh, God, I'm not really sure it's that great a show because the next two matches, just on my memory, were like, well, mm, they're a bit more ECW, a bit more kind of hardcore based and are going to be messier. And I'm not sure... They're going to be at the same level. So this is where my pre-show expectations were starting to align with what I I was seeing, which was maybe this is a little bit overrated. But we Mm. will we will um, we will see if that remains.
0: Oh, you little tease tantalizing, teasing Tinky, the pervert.
1: So Joel Gertner has another go next on the microphone and tries to ask Bischoff a question. He builds up the question that he's got to ask him quite a lot and then says, can I have a job, please? (laughs) Bischoff says, hell no. He calls Gertner a piece of garbage. Um, Bischoff then says he is the GM of the greatest brand in sports entertainment. Uh, He probably says some other things, but I haven't noted anything else. (laughs) Anyone got anything else they want to note here?
0: This Joel Gertner. Got to mention this before. I not have a clue where he was. Don't really get. His snakeskin jacket is unreal. I also... So Bischoff's wearing a leather jacket at this point. is wearing a suit. Paul Heyman, when he pops out, is wearing a lot of clothing. It looks hot in there. And that was my concern for old Joel, is that he must have been absolutely roasted.
1: So Joel Gertner, we've seen him living dangerously, 99. Usually what would happen in later ECW reviews is Joey Styles would be joined by Joel Gertner for the intro in the ring. Ah. Uh, but I believe actually Joel Gertner was actually a mouthpiece for the Dudley Boys when he was in ECW. And then when the Dudley Boys left, he became kind of like Joel St- Joey Styles' kind of right hand man, his kind of colour commentator almost. And so yeah, that was Joey Style uh, sorry, that was Joel Gertner's role in ECW. Uh yeah, he gets it's, I I thought it was quite good to see him because he is quite a big fan favorite by the end of ECW's run.
2: I like the fact that Eric Bischoff calls the ECW fan scabs. So <laughs> And uh, and Rob Conway's just in the background, just loving life with his with his George Michael-esque bloody little tash and goatee combination, and he's just sat there, just having a great time, magnificent stuff. Go on, Rob Conway.
1: So that means that either he uh is a was a major fan of ECW in the past, or that he's got a pair of earphones in, listening to George Michael's greatest hits. One he's of the two is definitely, happening. Definitely,
2: definitely doing that. He's just sat there, Jesus to a child. That song.
1: It is a song, the lyrics are correct I'm not sure the tune was
0: (laughs) Oh, how dare you
1: but he did just make it up. He didn't even know it was a song, old man. So, I mean, the fact that he yeah. put a tune to it at all was impressive. Um, then we get Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka in the next match. Joey Styles talks a lot during this match about Mike Awesome leaving ECW and the circumstances around that. The end of the match comes when um awesome power bombs Tanaka through a table at ringside from oh. the ring and then dives down himself on top of Tanaka, for the victory and after the match just for good measure awesome then power bombs the referee too
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh i fucking love this match this match is eight beers down get the network on watch this fucking match and it's weird because because it's so fucking mental right from the beginning right from the beginning they're like, Do you know what? we're not fucking around we're in people with chairs and going through tables Tanaka's music when he comes out it sounds like when you're gonna learn by jamiro i don't know if you ever noticed that but it's tremendous. A little no. bit of didgeridoo. do. Um. So, couple of things. Joe Star's ranting about Mike Awesome is very tiresome, especially the fact that he said when he tries does a suicide dive and says it's a shame he didn't take his own life,
3: yeah. which
2: is very unpleasant considering that Mike Awesome did take his own life a few years later. Again, Joe Star didn't know that at the time. Again, this is the value of the presence of Mick Foley there. So I think he stops Joey Starsom from saying some really mad shit. Also, I'm glad they acknowledged the fact that Mike Awesome had an incredible mullet, which he doesn't at this point. But it's just a nice callback to the mullet. In terms of the actual match, there's a horrible Awesome bomb off the apron through a table, which looks like it lands right on Tanaka's neck. Um, Tanaka takes some brutal chair shots then and then hulks up. And then gets taken down by Clothesline. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the anti-ECW gang, are am sarcastically enjoying it from the top. But I think the JBL's actually loving oh, it. It's yes. amazing. Um, then there's a bit where they go to do an awesome bomb spot. And then Tanaka reverses it into a DDT off the top rope through a table. They then, Mike Awesome, then, awesome bombs... Tanaka through the broken table.
1: Yeah.
2: And it is so dangerous. Yeah. Because not, not only is that type of powerbomb from the top rope, because it's not like a powerbomb going forward from the top rope, he has to jump backwards and get him up and down in time without smashing his head against the turnbuckle. That's one thing. Then there is a broken metal kind of beam from the mm. table, which is sticking up, which misses Tanaka's head by about two or three inches. And it looks so dangerous and it's terrifying. Bizarrely, the awesome bomb out of the ring through the table looks considerably safer
3: than that.
2: <laughs> um, and then the splash onto him for good measure. Fuck off. have it. You're out. And then, yeah, completely unnecessarily powerbombing the ref. <laughs> Love it. Oh, it's a mental, a mental match. Absolutely fucking bonkers. Yeah, it's
0: it is. It's exactly what Tom says. When, when they're walking to the ring, you know immediately what you're going to get. And they don't hold back on each other. They're happy to do what they're going to do. And to be honest, as much as I'd like to go, a bit dangerous, a bit dangerous, a bit extreme for me, it's tremendous because they're both in it and they both know what they're doing. And Tanaka, Tanaka's neck is almost as big as Bobby Lashley's shoulders, I think. <laughs> His neck is absolutely enormous. But yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, one note on the mullet. Joey Styles says mullet weird. I think he goes mullet mullet, like he's saying Gert Mullet. Or or Muller Rice. Yes. Ah, oh,
1: Muller Rice. <laughs> what a weird thing. At some point someone is gonna have a Muller Rice haircut and they're gonna go up against Sid <laughs> for the battle of the food hair. At some point. Uh, I
2: wanna know who's gonna have who's gonna have the crunch corner haircut though, lads. That's the big question.
1: <laughs> this match is is I mean it's undeniably entertaining. Uh it is very, very good. And and I guess this is where I was trying to go with the whole after I talk about the Benoit match and the potential for this to be a disappointing show overall or not disappointing, but overrated. It pulls it back here because this match is far better than I thought it was going to be. If I'm honest, I thought what we were going to get is something I thought we were going to get exactly this. But I thought my reaction to it was going to be different, if I'm honest. I don't know how to explain it better than that. And it is a really it's mad. It's completely mad. The only yeah. thing that pulls it back from me a little bit of being really enthusiastic about it is that as you said, Mike Awesome does commit suicide a couple of years after this match. Now, Mike also and Masato Tanaka had had this match, this exact match. And it, again, it follows that pattern I was talking about earlier on, Jerry Lynn and Jericho, Psychosis and Rey Mysterio, Ben Juan Guerrero, the match that they've had all of their career effectively against one another. They've had this match. They've been building this match and, and making it what it is for years prior to this. They were feuding in FMW in Japan. They were feuding in ECW. They had the match again and again and again. And this was just a repeat of that. But, That meant that Mike Awesome and Tanaka took those unprotected chair shots as they do during this match over and over and over again. Mm. And it's very difficult then to disassociate the Mike Awesome suicide from that because we know that that kind of brain damage. Does occur as a consequence of these chairs. And we do know that these things do lead to depression and various other things. And I'm not saying that they are intrinsically linked. They may not have been linked at all, but the chances are that there was some factor in that. And so for me, that's the only thing where I'm drawn back, where ordinarily I can completely distance myself from the two. For some reason, here, because the chair shots are just so unprotected and so brutal, they are as hard as they possibly can be Mm. to elicit the greatest amount of, ah, from the crowd that it is difficult then to not watch them with that kind of mindset of this actually happened to this guy. And he was part of it and he was happy to do it. He was consenting. I'm not saying anyone forced him to do it. This is the match he's built up with this guy over the course of their careers, but still, as a consequence of that, this is what comes of it. It's, diff- it's more difficult to enjoy as a consequence.
0: Mm. So did you manage to have a wank afterwards? Or? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I had to leave it for a good five minutes or so.
0: Um, ah, you to, to, to be fair, you're a better man than me because I, I had one immediate the second the referee was power bombed.
2: You quite no, asked at that point, didn't you?
0: <laughs> oh, on that.
2: <laughs> sorry, I can't that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on the
0: uh, on the referee powerbomb. It's not a very nice looking powerbomb. I don't think my neck would have taken it very well.
1: When you see these powerbombs, you start to think that WWE uh, WWE sorry probably had a point about him being a bit dangerous. Yeah. Was Awesome his real surname? <laughs> No, I don't believe. I don't believe so. Uh,
2: it's his Michael real name, Alfonso.
1: Michael, and he was uh, he was cousin to Hulk Hogan's nephew, Horace.
2: Ah, oh,
0: beautiful! Who was on uh, Slambury 2000? He was indeed. Ah, yeah. oh, uh, that's beautiful! Well done, well done.
1: You'll also be pleased to know that Masato Tanaka is still wrestling at the age of 48, still going, um, still having matches
2: all over the world. Hang on a second, he's 48 now. Yes, how yeah. old was he then? How, not, 32. not 48 <laughs> yeah. 32. he was 32 <laughs> yes. on that match I'm so glad fuck you said that, that Tinky <laughs> that, that is earthquake-esque in terms of <laughs> old before your time fuck me Well, it, th- that's what these
1: unprotected chair shots will do yeah. to you unfortunately
2: well, <laughs> well hell. perhaps that's why we
0: look so young because we haven't taken any unprotected chair shots
1: speak for yourself old man I've <laughs> taken loads in my time
0: uh, no you've nice. taken loads in the face
1: <laughs> i'll be honest when i was younger i probably did take a few unprotected baking trees to the head <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> yeah we yeah. lived together you fucking dented one of our baking trees hitting yourself with it <laughs> not even your baking tray. lovely so then
1: we get paul Heyman emerge from the entrance Heyman also very emotional here when when the chat the chance of thank you paul come from the crowd uh he starts by thanking todd gordon Um, who was the original owner of ECW and he thanks a couple of guys who used to work for for ECW who are in the front row one of which will be familiar to people as quite a prominent talking head during the ECW uh, rise and fall of ECW DVD. Heyman then addresses Eric Bischoff he then also addresses some of the wrestlers that are with him he says hide your wives it's Edge (laughs) And he then says two words that um, WWE haven't been spoken for a number of for a number of months in WWE television. Matt freaking Hardy, which, as Edge points out, is actually three words. And then Heyman says to JBL is the only reason you're world champion for a year is because Triple H didn't want to work
2: Tuesdays.
1: Any thoughts on this one?
2: So when he says Matt freaking Hardy, Edge counts on his hand and he does the edge symbol, the, 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 uh, the Matt Hardy symbol, which is a lovely touch. Paul Heyman doesn't really say anything in this promo, but he doesn't need to. He's just out like there to kind of to be there, really. Um, the thing that annoyed me a little bit about this promo is I don't like the fact that WWE guys react with mockery. I feel like they should be getting angered by it rather than being like, ooh, like Scott Hall used to do with the fingers. Being like, ooh, because I think it undercuts the kind of passion of the promo. Yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather they reacted a bit more with fury rather than rather than mockery. And then, cutting towards at the end of the pay-per-view, when they do end up getting involved later on, that should kind of be the what tempts them out should be the straw that broke the camel's back after this being the thing that initially infuriates them, rather than them be like, ooh, mocking it.
0: I uh, quite enjoyed this. I thought it was okay. It's a nice and necessary thing to happen, I think, on the show. It's hard not to just feel a bit warm and fuzzy when Heyman's in the ring and they're all going, thank you, Paul, thank you, and he gets all teary-eyed i thought the insult to edge was all right the thing with that is the way that edge sells it because he's just having a little sip of beer and he spits it out yeah. and they just catch it and I, i thought this was just absolutely fine the one thing that i absolutely love and i don't know he has it later as well carlito's eating his apple <laughs> now, now i don't know if he has one apple or whether he's bought like a family pack <laughs> Of pink ladies the <laughs> apples um but uh he yeah he's eating it and then when they go back he's still got the apple in his hand
1: it's the second apple mate he's got a he's got a full-on pack of them and he's even offered them round but the other were yeah interested.
0: Yeah, doug basham's there he's like i have a no fucking apple i eat meat i'm doug basham i eat meat anybody
2: anybody want an apple guys <laughs>
1: The Dudley Boys versus Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman is the main event of the evening. We get a full-on 5-minute Sandman uh, entrance yeah, as is customary. God. And then the Dudleys win the match when uh, Tommy Dreamer is powerbombed through a flaming table and pinned. Mm. So who am I going to first on this one? I'm going to I'm going to go with Old Man to start this Oh
0: show. yeah. Tommy Dreamer. I'm not a really big fan of his work. I know how Vitally important he was to ECW, but he looks like a competition winner when he comes out. He looks like he's <laughs> just he's, he's just won the pools or something, and they've gone, actually, no money. But you can go and uh, be in uh, ECW main event with Salman. Um, I don't like Salman. Salman is shit, and his entrance is tedious, and I, I don't really like it. But, that being said, what his entrance does allow me to see is a banner which is yeah. ECW, please Japan tour. It just says on it. <laughs> 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 um, they also, um, Sandman and Dreamer, do the licking beer off boobs mm-hmm. thing, which um, I didn't, um, it's not really my bag, to be honest, but the ladies are up for it. And by all accounts, from what style says, they are long term fans
2: who may have had that done to them
0: every show.
2: No, I, this is where I was talking about the plants earlier, because they're the people yeah. that Ray Mysterio flies into. Ah. As well. they're, they are like, they are promoting some working ladies of the night. The
1: first one is, I think, Sandman's wife, Laurie. And the second one, I believe, is who who is also an ECW personality
2: right i see gotcha so about. one of them sand Lady. yeah maybe we well, can we go to the match should we should cover the entrance first so so it's it is a real shame they didn't pay for the sandman because it would have made it a better i think
1: they did so this is the interesting thing they paid well, yeah, for... but
2: it's not in the network though no, it? it's not on the network
1: version so i would recommend encourage everyone to go find the youtube video of the entrance which has got enter sandman in it mm. because it changes everything about the entrance so for me the entrance is a little bit long a little bit pointless a little bit silly mm. you watch it with enter sandman suddenly you get exactly why people loved the sandman coming out because it is phenomenal
2: but when when he's there at the top at the beginning it's a bloke to start sitting himself with the kendo stick yes <laughs> <For some reason. laughs> lovely old starts himself. And then when uh, after he after he goes through and pours the beer on the that woman's boobs and goes down, he then stands in front of the crowd and starts wanking off the kendo stick. Yes. Which I've got a lot of time for. <laughs> and he does it towards
0: the anti-ECW yeah. He does, doesn't he? Um also when he is uh having a good time with that bloody kendo stick, beating it like his dirty meat, I notice him out on his right arm. Oh, amazing. A tattoo of himself. <laughs> <laughs> on the inside of his right bicep and
1: i was
3: like <laughs> Fuck.
1: i mean why not it's just in case he, he he's not in a place where there's a mirror so he just, just, <laughs> just looks at him. Just
0: Sorry, oh, I'm, no, looking, like. I'm looking okay yeah i'm, I'm all right <laughs> i can't <laughs> not going in is that are oh, you all right you all right bob sandman how's it going eh, not too bad uh, tattooed today yeah yeah so what are you doing just points to his face And then points to his right bicep. He's like, sorry, so you want the bicep on your face? No, 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 the other way around. (laughs) It's truly outstanding work from him. Garnered a lot of respect from from me. Yeah, it's also a very good tattoo, to be fair. So on the Sandman, the Sand Lad, his hitting of the beer can onto his forehead has always terrified me. (laughs) Because I'm someone who had a phase of a few years where i was hitting my head a lot on things don't quite know why
1: on purpose or just accidentally
0: just accidentally like I d- yeah i don't really know why but uh yeah so whenever i see that it always reminds me of when i've hit my head and i think oh nasty that opened a door into your own face once
3: you bathroom
2: door crunch at first, Leads, <laughs> leading with his head into a door.
1: Tom, leading, you know that's how everybody opens a bathroom door is they lead with their head.
0: But the story behind that as well is that it was, um I think it was your birthday, Tom. And uh, me and your, your good lady wife were talking and I said, oh, I'm going to have it so that my beard goes in and it's like it's hooked on. So I shaved my head, but I left it a little bit longer. So it was like it was hooked on. Over your ear. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And uh. I'd suddenly realised on a Sunday evening just before I was going to go to bed, fuck, I've got to shave that off because otherwise I'll forget in the morning and I've got to go to work. I was working in a cafe at the time. And in my excitement, I opened the door, full pout into my forehead, pretty sure <laughs> I probably gave myself at least a mild concussion and I bled. A lot. So, yeah, it was a good time. It's a good time for everyone involved and I've still got a scar on my head. Mm. So, the, the match. <laughs> anyway, on, just a quick note. On Sandman's tattoo. Every time he does his entrance, he, ah, he's, he hits himself with the old beer can. One more cut. Do you reckon he has a little line added every time? He just goes in like once a month or so. He's up, oh, can you add a couple more lines? Because I've got a few more scars on the head.
1: So, so the match? <laughs>
0: that, the match is, um, is exactly what I thought the whole show would be. And I, I, I really like it. The, um, to be honest, it's kind of fine. But the cheese grater is fucking disgusting. It's absolutely disgust. It was like I was cringing at it because it's such a vile thought of having someone run a cheese grater across my forehead. But there are some king shots by Bubba Ray that are hard. This is where I realised how really reckless. Bubba Reyes, like when he's using weapons, like quite offensively so, to be honest. The best part about this match is Mick Foley, because Mick Foley starts chanting it intermittently, ECW, 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 and he's obviously having the time of his life. There's a lot of shenanigans, so the Blue World World Order come out, so Stevie Richards, Blue Meanie, and Simon Dean come down, Kid Cash thing comes down, Axel Rotten and Balls Mahoney come out, so they're absolutely banging music, and then the crowd start chanting, balls, which, which uh, I was laughing. I was laughing far, far more than I should have for a 37-year-old man listening to about 2,000 people just chanting, balls, balls, balls. <laughs> but yeah, I had a good time. And then Mick Foley says, there's some hideous-looking human beings running around out there. And then I laughed, and then the cheese grater came out, and I didn't laugh. And then Francine came out, with Lance Storm and... Just Incredible and Dormarie. And it looks like it looks like there's gonna be some woman beating, which I wasn't really in for, but it doesn't happen. And then it finished. Not for me, not really. But I understand why it's there and I'm glad everyone got their little moment in the sun. Thomas? Similar really. I mean
2: when the blue water will turned up, Eric Bischoff looks as unimpressed as I felt. <laughs> <that bit. laughs> to be honest. There's a bit where Stevie Richards cuts a bit of a promo and then realised how much how similar his voice is to Shawn Michaels. I don't know if anyone else noticed that, but he sounds just like him. Yeah, there's there's like a bit where um I, I noted about the hideous looking human beings. There's quite a cool bit where a kid cash uses the ref as a as a springboard to uh yes. to, to do a like a planche at everyone. Um, Tommy Dreamer, we're going to cover the interest, but Tommy Dreamer looks like he's about to cry as he comes out. And let's mm. be honest, he hasn't really got much else going for him, has he, an ECW? So he was having a lovely time. The two uh, twin uh, figure four leg locks from Sandman and Tommy Dreamer. Um, yes. And I wrote, that's the most wrestling we're going to get. And then Mick Foley says the exact same thing afterwards. <laughs> so good to see that, that Mick and I are in sync. There's a couple of cover nice minutes, like the Tommy and, and Bueller reunion is quite nice in the ring. It's got a nice yeah. moment. Oh, Spike Dudley comes down, doesn't he? And, he's, and yeah. what is interesting about that is that he's in his proper Dudley Boys garb, which mm. the Dudley Boys aren't, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, and as you said, Dreamer goes through a week frame table. It's not great. It's a bit messy. And like you said, old man, you understand why it's there, but it's not for me. I think just talking, looking at the entire card, I don't, I don't think this is a good main event, I don't think it's a, enough. I don't think it was ever going to be a good main event, and it's a shame there wasn't a, in my opinion, a singles match as the main event rather than this tag match. Personally, that's just my mm. opinion on it.
1: I disagree. I think this is a brilliant main event. I really think this is great, and I the way the way I equate it to is that. I think whoever put this show together looked at it um, as as if it was a, a rock band reuniting for a Greatest Hits tour, and they got so many hits. So let's say Paul McCartney, for example, has got so many songs, well-known songs, that when, he, when he does his gigs, that his set list has to include a medley because he has to get a load of hits in. Mm. And that's what this is. This is the medley at the end of the show. So it's got the flaming table. It's got chairs and it's got ladders and it's got the reunion of Beulah and Tommy. It's got the cat fight that we haven't had at any other point during the show. It has got the BWO. It has got Kid Caster in a massive dive. It's got Balls Mahoney coming down along with Axel Rotten. Two guys you couldn't really leave off the show, but you were going to never put in a match, an actual match itself. It's got Spike Dudley coming out. It has literally got everything. They've, they've gone through the show. I have gone through, as we've gone through the show, and written down the ECW hallmarks, the set list, if you like, of what EC, what this show is about. You've got the balcony dive. You've got the FBI. You've got the Joey Styles intro. You've got Mick Foley in the show. You've got the sleeper hold being booed by psychosis. You've got the RVD appearance. You've got the impromptu match. You've got the shoot promo, the Arabian face buster, the Sabu lights out, the Rhino gore, Joel Gertner making an appearance, Awesome and Tanaka having their match. Uh, the Hayman promo, and then you've got everything that's left is put into this match. And this match, which I think if it had just been the Sandman and Tommy Dreamer against the Dudley boys, would have been exactly what you've just said a kind of like, oh, well, you know, it was what it was. It was there to feed the ECW fans, and it was there to be like a traditional ECW match, which didn't really make for a good main event. I actually think the form that it takes is brilliant, and I don't think it's an amazing match but I just think it's so different to anything I've ever seen. And I I wasn't expecting this before I watched it. I was thinking, this is where I was like, this show is overrated because this main event exists and because the Benoit Guerrero match is not as good as it should be and so is the um, uh, Psychosis Rey Mysterio match. But this made up for it. I thought this was just a brilliant, brilliant end-of-show medley of... All the remaining stuff we've got, we're just going to chuck into this match. They incorporate all really well. Every bit of it gets a big pop from the fans. When the BWO come out, they, the fans are excited. When, when Kid Cash does his big dive, the fans are excited. When the cat fight happens, the fans are excited. When Beulah and Francine come out and get involved again, it just all, it fitted perfectly. It was like ECW encapsulated in 10 minutes of a match. And I just was blown away by it. Like I said, it wasn't, it's not an amazing match. But it's just the idea of the match and the way they execute it, for me, made up for the fact that this was just a tag team match that was going to be really messy. And I hmm. didn't think it was messy in the end. I thought it was it was a really well realised match.
2: I, I think the part of the reason why is because I don't have an affinity with ECW particularly. So that is why I'm a little bit like meh about it. I can yeah. see the merit of it, and especially with what it leads to, with we you know with everything ha- that happens at the end. But yeah, there was just a bit of a yeah. I just it, it's one of those things. Yeah, okay, yeah, but I don't care about the blue water order, order. I don't no. care about Axel on okay. that's so that's why I digest it in that manner.
1: Yeah, and I I don't especially care. I just know about the history of East W to an extent that I can I can put myself in that audience and think this is this is great. And I, and again. Most of my judgment of wrestling matches in general uh, other than maybe some of the technical aspects of it and maybe some of the little details come from what the fans how they 're responding to it because that 's again as I've said before, all that matters if the fans are responding to it and then they will pay their money to watch it that 's everything that's that is the sport that is what professional professional wrestling is and for me this is absolutely the the response they wanted to get from the fans. And I just think, yeah, I I was just really blown away by how well put together this match was. And it really flipped it for me at the point before this match. I was like, this is an overrated show because the matches that come before aren't as good as maybe some people will ma- or have you have you think but then this match came along' it's like I don't believe it isn't uh, overrated anymore. I think that you've got a great undercard. and then this comes along and it's just this weird greatest hits medley package of everything ECW was that they couldn't fit into the rest of the show because some of the performers perhaps weren't skilled enough or weren't big enough names and they managed to fit it all into this one last bit and it is just fun all the way through just really mm-hmm. fun.
0: Yeah, it kind of feeds into like watching it objectively as a match. Like I've said, it's not really like some of the stuff that goes on. It's not really for me, but it touches on what I said is like the running theme. It's a nice thing. Like or, like you said, all of these guys like, like Axel Rotten should be nowhere near a wrestling ring ever. Let, let alone in 2005. But he's there. He gets his little thing. They get their little pot, Balls Mahoney. People shout chant balls at him. Like you said, like. I don't even know who Kid Cash is, but he gets a lovely reaction. You've got Simon Dean dressed up like Hulk Hogan. What more <laughs> do you want? The, the Blue Meenies out, although the Blue Meanies evening ends a little sourly, which we'll come on to. But yeah, I like at this point Beulah and old Tommy Drizzle are married. Yeah. And it's just like a very lovely thing that they have that little moment in the ring. And as I said, when Tommy Dreamer comes down to the ring at the start of the match, he looks like a competition winner. He looks like he's a dog with two dicks. He looks like he looks so happy to be there. And that does come through. And uh, these guys are doing what I think the argument can be made that actually the Dudleys are more than this match quite easily but everyone else is doing what they've done and what's got them their notoriety and what they're good at as well it, because as tommy said like this you get double figure four leg locks sandman doesn't really know how to put it on <laughs> and he just you kind know, of falls down and then i don't know whether one of the dudleys actually puts the move on but yeah it's a nice end
1: Well, I think the other thing that I really appreciate about this as well, is, and another way it really encapsulates what ECW is about, is it extracts the maximum value out of very limited um, resources. So you've got the Sandman, who clearly isn't a great wrestler. Tommy Dreamer, who's never really, again, not been a particularly technically sound guy. And then you've got the Dudleys, who... Yeah, I I, I mean, I've, I've got mixed feelings about the Dudleys. But anyway, and then you've got all these other bits and pieces that come into it. And it would be, as I said, it's kind of like the rock concert where Paul McCartney goes, right, I'll add in 30 seconds of of this song because I can't fit it anywhere else in the set. It's not good enough to give it three or four minutes dedicated to the set. But 30 seconds in the middle of this big medley and to, to sign off and everyone's kind of like, oh, what's coming next? What's coming next? That was how I kind of viewed it. And I just thought it was a really clever, really, that's the, the word I want to say is clever mixing of all these different elements that, that made up what ECW was um, and so I really appreciate it on that, that level
0: ECW ECW ECW
1: after the match Sandman is calling for a beer after um, he foils the Dudleys attempts to attack um, Beulah McGillicuddy at which point Austin's music hits and he gets one of the almighty pops of all time, I would suggest. It is an absolutely incredible pop when the when the, gra- when the glass breaks. He comes down. He asks all of the ECW roster to come to the ring.
2: Um, the pop is one that only Austin can get. I kind of started thinking about this a little bit. And I started thinking to myself, these fans are hypocrites. Because they're going nuts for Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is intrinsically WWE. Yet they're booing the 619, because it's a WWE move. Now, it shows the power of Austin and how amazing he is, but Stone Cold Steve Austin is not an ECW guy. Do you know what? I think they would hang their hat on,
0: ECW fans. They would say, without ECW, there's no Stone Cold, because he cuts that promo, which apparently got the attention of WWE. I completely agree with you, Tommy, but I think that's what they'd say. If you've got The man with the beard and the long hair, if he was on the call, that's what he'd say, I think. He's like, yeah, but we made him. Without us, there's no stone cold. Actually, without Eric Bischoff, there's no stone cold. Because if Bischoff hadn't fired him, Like it doesn't happen.
1: I think they'd also argue that there's large parts of the Austin character based on the Sandman, actually, which is, I think, the idea behind these two characters sort of coming together at this point. Because obviously no one had drunk beer in the ring until the Sandman started doing it in ECW. It is that part of it in particular was lifted almost directly from the Sandman and given to Austin. But I, I don't think they're hypocrites because I don't think this is about I don't think that they're cheering Austin because he's Austin, the WWE guy i think they're just chanting austin because this is the biggest star in the business and he's coming out here to help ecw he's not out here to help the smackdown and raw guys he's out here to pay his respects to a brand that ultimately he was a part of for six months and was a majorly important part of his career in terms of his talking if if Heyman hadn't given him the chance to do the monday night quill stuff and all the other things that he did uh on the mic during his ecw time he may never have been given the chance to do it in wwe either
2: i've got no so, i've got no problem i've got no problem with ecw fans cheering uh, Steve Austin, because fucking anybody would cheer Steve Austin because he's amazing. What I've got issue with is um, selectively booing WWE things when he is intrinsically a WWE guy. And I, and I can take, I can take the John Cena thing, you know, the John Cena the chance. I can take the anti, you know, ECW Crusader ones. That's that's all absolutely fine. But I, I feel bad for Mysterio. I, can't, yeah, I, I, I really I can't... feel bad for. He doesn't deserve that, and I think it's a bit it's just nonsense it's just being selective about what where you want to take a stand and not
1: I know, I agree. I think there's something as well, though, to be said for, and I don't know why, and I kind of feel this myself and I can't explain it, but it, it does feel like that the WWE that existed after they bought WCW is a different company than the, the mm. WWE that existed before they bought WCW. And the company that they bought that was the existed before they bought WCW wasn't really the thing ECW had a problem with. ECW's bigger problem was always WCW, it was always. Eric Bischoff that's where Paul Heyman had arrived from uh, into ECW as a consequence of was Eric Bischoff taking over WCW uh, it's where Austin came from it's where Foley came from all these guys came over to ECW as a consequence of falling out with Bischoff and not and, and being sacked by Bischoff or not you know not fitting with him so the the ECW ethos has always been anti more much more anti WWE than anti-WWE But, and I feel this too, after WCW was bought by WWE, it does feel like WWE became something else. And that feels the same you look at the product the quality of the product instantly drops and it's not just that but it's everything obviously it becomes a much more corporate atmosphere as well not immediately after and possibly just before this but the point is is that that feels like the that feels like the marking point where the two the company that used to exist and the company that now existed changes and that new company was the company of john cena and maybe also a Rey mysterio who bulked up and lost a lot of the agility that he'd had before and was now using the 619 and i don't I, I i agree it's very strange it's all kind of not really doesn't really make any sense but i they do have that mark marking point is a difference and i don't know why i, I can't explain hmm. it either but don't don't, boo ray. don't boo just don't boo ray mysterio but they don't boo ray mysterio in this show i don't think they boo the 619 on its own, and I think it's different from later when people were genuinely booing Rey Mysterio, and it was a bit strange.
0: A little note on the Sand Lad I don't think I've ever known anybody to be so gagging for a beer
3: because he
0: <laughs> like will that. not leave Austin alone and Austin's talking and then the beers come out and Sandman is like oh my god there's a beer and Austin goes you could go I'll drink your beer over there son and he is like the second Austin's out there he's like I want a beer I want a beer I want a beer now, I don't know whether he's a regional alcoholic, possible, whether it's just a habit that he's formed where he's like, well, I want a beer, or he's like I would be, he wants to have a beer with the old stone cold, <laughs> old cold stone, lovely old job.
1: So Austin brings out the whole of the ECW roster and then grabs a microphone and calls for the Raw and SmackDown guys to come down and face them. He says they've been they've been mouthing off through the entire show about wanting to beat these guys up. It's time they had a fight. He calls them all down. They all do come down and we then get an almighty face off as we've got about 80 people in the ring the entire <laughs> ECW roster all the Raw and Smackdown guys on either side of the ring and then Taz's music hits and Taz oh. walks to the ring and the pop is incredible again, um, he walks down with his old ECW music as well, not the WWE stuff, walks into the ring and then we have an almighty battle.
2: So the, the roster thing's interesting because they're, they're, obviously Rob Van Damme's not there understandable because it's injury, but there's no Sabu, no Eddie Guerrero, no Psychosis, no Impact Player players, Jericho, or Mike Wilson, or Tanaka in the ring. So I thought it was quite interesting it's that they they obviously bring out loads of people who aren't on the card as well, come out and get involved. Hmm. But I just thought it was interesting. Those are the people that I noted that weren't there. I think some of them weren't
1: there because they were heels or portrayed as heels on the show. So for example, Psychosis, I think you said, and someone else I. Like- picked out when you were talking but also i just think that maybe they felt like it didn't make sense that jericho maybe michael from masai tonako still bloody recovering from their fucking yes yeah, um so i don't know i don't think there's any significance in it i just think that, that it, perhaps just a variety of different small reasons
2: um before the brawl starts austin <laughs> these little touches that i love about him so much and he's cutting his promo and he's like you're all out there talking trash jbl in your little yellow tie <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> It's so good. What is weird though is that Bischoff towards commentary for the brawl which yeah. is a bit unusual and this is what you said this about Blue Meanie earlier old man there's always been lots of kind of people talk about the Blue Meanie, basically JBL makes a beeline for him mm-hmm. and just starts beating the shit out of him and I, kept, I was keeping my eye out for it and it definitely happens, and it's really weird. What is interesting, though, is as the brawl's kind of happening and people are starting to spit out, Bubba Ray pulls JBL out of the wrist. Yes. And I wonder if he did that for his own safety. Yeah. He's getting welled on by about eight people, JBL. Yeah. He and is pe- getting a key tab. By people who aren't on the roster. So yeah. it's by people who aren't WWE guys as well. No, yeah. And I think Bubba Ray makes the call and pulls him out, which I yeah. think is quite a-
0: Well, apparently the mini had said that that he was a backstage bully about JBL. So JBL thinks, you know what? You know how I can defuse this? (laughs) By beating someone up in the rain. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this whole little section. I'd listen to Austin read the fucking phone book, to be honest. But it's really good. Styles is so angry at Bischoff. It's the kind of anger you can't fake, like going back to JBL. Like He hates, maybe not hates Bischoff, but he hates everything that Bischoff has stood for, I think, in terms of WCW. And it's really, really good. And then, obviously, Bischoff gets dragged to the ring by Foley. So Austin asks Mick Foley to bring Bischoff down to the ring. Bischoff... Just takes a little a little And then I think, you know what? Having a lovely old time. Having a great time with this. And I'm thinking, you know what, a perfect end. And then it gets better. Because I look round. Austin's wearing JBL's cowboy hat. (laughs) 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 And that warmth and fun that runs through the show. That would to me was just a perfect little little full stop on it. Because it's silly and nice and well done, lads. They don't get many things this right in wrestling. And I feel like this end thing, including the main event match as well, is just
2: really, really well done for this show. There's, there's a bit, couple of bits in there that I just wanted to pick up on that, which I think are really good. You're right, Austin wearing the hat is magnificent. And then Ray, Ray Mysterio is wearing it a little bit later. Uh, um, what I like about this bit is that they, Austin gets um, Mick Foley to bring Eric Bischoff down to the ring. So he brings down. Eric Bischoff's acting is tremendous in this and the fact that, that, that the rest of the, the, the Raw and SmackDown is like moping off as it bite past him as he's being dragged into the ring um, it means that Mick Frodo gets to be in the ring for a bit which I really like and it also means that the end of the pay-per-view is Joey Styles calling it on his own which whether by design or by accident is quite a nice touch I think it ended up working quite well and the bit when he's on the mat and Austin puts a microphone to him and Eric Bishop is. Fuck ECW is amazing. It's so good. I love it. Love this section.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really good. I I think it, it what it does is it wraps up the whole Raw Smackdown invasion angle type thing really well and gives it a reason to exist in the first place. Like you then you suddenly realize that actually this whole this is the show long storyline we've been talking about. Smackdown turn up. They get loads of heat on them. Then Raw turn up. They get loads of heat on them. We have a couple of people who shoot promos on them. We have Joel Gooden to get get his ass kicked a little bit by the by the Raw and SmackDown guys, and then we end with this kind of confrontation between the two. Taz's entrance, which I think is phenomenal. Like he's obviously Stop. not in he's not in shape, and he's no. long since been a professional wrestler that we could go and have great matches. But my goodness, they do pop for it. And again, it's just another one of those little greatest hits. They just pop in there another point which again they couldn't get much else out of him they couldn't get a match out of him for example he'd have been wasted on commentary but just do this and it's just oh it's just perfect and then they have the big brawl and then they and then they have the Bischoff thing and Bischoff becomes the lightning rod for all the hatred mm-hmm. and and they they completely slay the dragon with him and they they have the Dudleys cart him off carry him away um as austin dolls out the bit the beers and everyone celebrates and it's just it's a great way to end this kind of nostalgia trip that you've been on for the last two and a half hours uh, and i i really i really enjoy it i, I really enjoyed the end
2: i also like after eric bischoff gets cut out austin's done he leaves the ring and goes yes. straight away as well it's just a nice touch it's like yeah no i've done my bit this is your moment now you enjoy this you know what i mean it fucks off and that's just a nice touch from big steve
1: so, that wraps up the whole show. So, let's give our overall thoughts, our ratings out of 10, our match of the night, and our MVP of the show. I'm going to start with you, Tom.
2: So, um, match of the night is Michael Sun versus Tanaka. This, I love it. I've, I've said long time, I've loved that match. I watch it quite often. <laughs> so I will say it. Like I said, after a couple of beers, love it. Um, in terms of my overall score, I'm giving this a nine. Wow. This Big is, the high, I think, the highest one I've ever scored. I love this pay-per-view. I've watched it so many times. Testament, I watched this in, in its entirety as well, which I don't do. When in this. Yeah, I watched it in one go, sitting. I loved it, loved it as much as I remembered watching it. Because, again, I've kind of gone into it before, just watching individual matches, watched bits and pieces, after, aside of watching it in its entirety. And I, and I loved it. In terms of my MVP of the night, this is an interesting one because I had completely forgotten about this. Can I, can I come back to you? Come, come
0: back to me. I think about it. Oh, man. Very enjoyable. So it was two and a half hours. I do believe that if this was three hours, it would have outstayed its welcome. But two and a half hours, as I said, there's this undercurrent of warmth and fun that runs through the show. It's very well put together. The bits around RVD's promo, tremendous. The last, what must be, half hour, I think, with the main event in that. It's really, really good stuff. Lively crowd. The early matches in particular is just really good fast-paced wrestling. You then get more of the ECW stuff towards the end, which, like I said, isn't really my thing, but it made complete sense, and I did find it enjoyable knowing that this is just what these guys do. To be honest, there's not a whole lot to that I can pick holes in on the show. I'm going to give it an 8. It, it was a 7 or an 8 for me, but talking through it with you boys is just sort of find it. My match of the night is the triple threat, but in fairness, it could have been one of three or four, to be honest. And my MVP is Joey Styles, because I think he's tremendous. And we need a honourable mention for Foley, who, to Tom's point, right at the start of the podcast, keeps him in check and keeps him from, I think being to joey styles if that makes sense i think which is something that for people who will have heard the living dangerously uh, episode and if you haven't sort your fucking lives out and get it in your ears i do not like joey styles commentary do not like it at all but i bloody enjoyed it here yeah. well done joseph any relation of aj <laughs>
2: no one did that
0: yeah
1: tom have you got an mvp yet
2: yes i have it is jbl's hat oh that's <laughs> lovely
0: well yeah. done, hat.
1: Finally, uh, I am going to give this show an eight as well. I think my match of the night is strangely the opener, Lance Storm versus Chris Jericho. I think is the best <gasps> match. Um, Jericho. Yeah, I just, I just thought it was really well realized. It was exactly, it was the match that I think the rest of the. Wrestling parts of the show could have, didn't live up to. That's how I felt about it. It just didn't. Uh, this sets off brilliantly, and you're thinking, oh, this, if they're all like this, this is going to be a great match. Especially if it culminates with a really epic, great Chris Benoit Di match. You're onto an amazing wrestling show here, but it never really materializes. It, it's all fine, but it just never really materializes. And that match in the, in the beginning is great. The main event though is such a good, so good that my me- MVP is whoever put it together, because. Yeah. Because I just think whoever did put that together just inherently got it and understood every single little note they had to hit in that main event. And I am tempted to believe it was Tommy Dreamer who put it together because he, I know he was a major part of the organization of the show and, and it all coming together. And I just, and obviously he was part of the match. So I assume he was doing a lot of the thinking about what should be involved anyway. Um, obviously, you know, he's got Bueller as well. who was his then wife involved in the match too. So I, 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 f- I feel like it must've been Tommy Dreamer who in the main put this together, even if he was joined by other people. Um, it's just, I just really enjoyed that match. I just was really struck surprised by how good it was and how much it kind of made sense and a measure of how good this this show was is that not only did they then do a second one night stand the following year but also revived the ecw brand um which forget how bad that was just remember that this caused that to happen because it was so good but also joey styles super crazy kid cash psychosis sabu sandman and balls mahoney all got jobs with the wwe following the show they all yeah. became members of the roster or parts of the commentary team. The only thing I do want to kind of point out in the negative is mainly what we come back to a lot when we see stuff like stuff like this, which is the re- ruined lives by the style, by the style mm. of wrestling. And it hit home literally the day after I watched this show. Mikey Whipwreck sent out a tweet, um, which was him deciding that he was no longer going to make public appearances, weren't going to do any signings or anything like that anymore because of how he was feeling at the time. And he, he was talking about how he now routinely gets six to eight hour long uh, migraines. He suffers with a great amount of depression at this point in his time, a point in his life. Um, And so he and he had to, he didn't, in fairness, link it to ECW. He didn't link it to wrestling at all, although he does suggest that he as time goes on, he's he's starting to realize that maybe that had a major impact on this. But it just made me think of the human cost of a lot of the stuff that's going Mm -hmm. on here. And not all of it. Some of it's fine. Like the flaming table spot, for example, which might be considered maybe the most dangerous bit and perhaps the most visually exciting bit. That's never going to that's not going to long term have an effect on you in any way more than a normal powerbomb would. In fact, being powerbombed onto a table, which will break your fall a little bit, is probably a better landing than just being powerbombed onto the mat. So there are bits of it that don't actually, you know, are not excessive. They look exciting and excessive, but they're not. But in particular, the unprotected chair shots with the, just the, the absolute, the impact that they have during the show. And, to your point Tom the Masato Tanaka bomb, where there's a bit of the table sticking up is just horrendously scary and the potential for something to go wrong in that in that moment is just undeniable those things are the bits where you kind of do look at it and even though you enjoy what you're watching you do kind of have to catch yourself a bit and go yeah but this has a toll this has a cost to it yeah. and it wouldn't be so bad if it was just on this one off thing maybe once a year a lot of these people did these things, but it's it's it, you've got to remember these guys when ECW existed were doing this three four times a week because that's how many shows they had and that's what was expected of them as part of that roster. So just that little bit of negativity at the end for me, but overall, yeah, I just as I said the main event I was just blown away, but not again. It's hard because not in terms of the quality, it's just how clever it was and how well it kind of brought everything together at the end and was a and for me was a a a, um, a good main event to to end the show on. So that um, takes its place as joint top pay-per-view we've watched of all time alongside WrestleMania's 19 and 30. So it does live up to the hype as we uh, kind of alluded to at the beginning of the show. It is now time for the game before I uh, allow us to continue though. I will just uh, make a little request. If you haven't already done so, please give us a rating, give us a review on your podcasting app of choice is much appreciated and will help us to continue to reach more people as our odyssey through pro wrestling's history continues Tom it is your turn to do the game so what have you got in store for us this week
2: well I'll tell you what lads you're in for a treat because I remembered wow so yeah, you're welcome uh so we're English we've got a monarchy yeah. that I don't particularly care for I don't know about you saying, okay but because I've only got one king that I care about And that's the King of the Ring. So, WWE ran the King of the Ring tournament for many years prior to it becoming a pay-per-view and have continued to run it on house shows or in and on pay-per-view and sometimes at SmackDown-only events or TV events. I would like a list, please, of the King of the Ring tournament winners. There's one two-time winner, uh, which means there are 20 different individuals overall. However, there are 21 winners, but obviously one of them is twice. So, I will start with Old Man. Uh, Cold Stone. Completely correct. Won it in 1996 after beating Jake and Snake Roberts.
1: Not just partially correct,
2: completely <laughs> correct.
1: Yeah. Um, Brett the Hitman Hart.
2: Our two-time winner. Won it in 1991 by defeating IRS in the final. Uh, and also won it in 1993 by defeating Bam Bam Bigelow in the final. In Dayton, Ohio. Uh, Owen Hart. 1994 beat Razor Ramon in the final.
1: Cool. Uh, I will go with Triple of the H.
2: Triple H. Hunt, Hunter, but yes, I'll accept that. Won <laughs> in 1997, defeated Mankind in the, in the tournament final. Uh, William so, Regal. William Regal won it in 2008, beating CM Punk in the final.
1: Cool. Um, I'm going with Ken Shamrock. Uh, Ken
2: Shamrock, 1998, defeated The Rock in the final. Wade Barrett. Bad news, Barrett. 2015 defeated Neville in the final. Um, Mabel. Mabel. 1995 defeated Savvy Vega in the final. I was gutted by that. <laughs> Sheamus. Sheamus. It's a shameful thing. Lobster Head beat John Morrison in the final.
1: Um, Billy Gunn.
2: The bum, Billy Gunn. 1999 <laughs> defeated X Pac in the final. Barry Corbin. <laughs> Baron Corbin defeated you, who did he defeat in the final I'll give you the points myself Um, Chad Gable that is correct well done. How have you fucking pulled that out from uh, oh. Impressive.
1: Oh. I'm tempted I'm tempted to give up and let Orban have it because that is some absolutely yeah. top
2: quality tremendous knowledge. trivia
1: I had no chance, I would be like, no idea no. well done, well done thank you Cur-
0: sorry, sorry can I just thank my mum
2: <laughs> dad <laughs> Kurt Angle. That Kurt Angle, 2000, defeated Rikishi in the final. So, I am having impressed. I'm now in trouble. Because mm-hmm. I don't... Edge. Edge. Look at that. 2001, defeated Kurt Angle in the final. So Kurt Angle didn't retain his King of the Ring.
1: Did not. I believe that the 2002 winner was Brock Lesnar.
2: That's correct. Defeated uh, Rob Van Damme in the final. Cut out, boys. I'm sweating yeah. Uh that many left
0: Mm, uh, mm, struggling as you can probably
2: tell (laughs)
0: Lesnar I just said him I wasn't listening I was trying to think
1: (laughs) give him a few more minutes well no not minutes
0: (laughs) (laughs) give him a half hour give
2: him time to get on the Wikipedia page
0: yeah Um, I was trying to think of people in crowns Jerry Lawler
2: no no, I didn't think so
0: Tom how many more are there
2: so you guys have done a tremendous job there are you've you've got everyone uh one two three four five left
1: five left okay
2: oh, six.
1: Six. six all right okay uh harley race correct this is where it really gets dodgy for me i'm gonna say jim duggan no nope. uh see i always get mixed up because he won the rumble um yeah so yeah. i'm assuming the others are so, probably haku nope oh wow Okay, well, I don't know then. I don't know who others are.
2: No. So the, one, the big one that you missed out was Booker T. Uh, oh. King Booker. Booker. So the first winner was Don Morocco, which I would have been blown away for that. Uh Randy Savage, Macho King.
1: Oh. I had him written down, but I wasn't sure if he just you know, beat someone for it.
2: Uh, Ted DiBiase. Oh. And, uh, and Tito Santana. Obviously, they didn't go on and have the King gimmick no Um, that's that's, i mean to be honest that's basically me saying who won a match a house show
1: no i don't don't think so because i think this is what the king of the ring should be it's not oh you get a crown and a scepter because that's fucking stupid they should Uh, just it should be it's too literal they should just give the they should be something that people want to win because it's a really important tournament because wwe don't have an annual tournament and that would be a cool thing to have It's an annual tournament where they could even do it so that they've got sort of first round, second round and semi-final on SmackDown and the same on Raw. And then have the two winners against each other in the final
0: yeah.
1: at pay-per-view. That would be good.
0: Is WrestleMania not a tournament? Brock Lesnar seems to think it's the <laughs> tournament of tournaments <laughs> in the, in the uh, hype video for WrestleMania 19
1: it's true maybe you thought that was it maybe you win the king of the ring when you win the main event of WrestleMania.
0: well well, of course because we did obviously go through that and again the listener can hear all about that in our archives the WrestleMania 19 episode where Tinky gets to the bottom of that little mystery
1: we won't t- tell everyone again here because we want them to listen to the show
0: all right we yeah. do you lazy sod you've got to put some fucking legwork in <laughs>
1: So on that note, Traps! I think I will close the show because Old Man's got belligerent all of a sudden. and <laughs> yeah. To be honest, it takes him a while to get out of the mode. Um, so, Old Man, thank you for joining me today.
0: Thank you very much. That is, without a doubt, the best one-night stand I've ever had. <laughs> but I don't want you to be thinking about that when all you should be doing is
2: remembering Kemper Terror.
1: And, Tom, thank you for your contributions
2: as well. Much obliged. I don't feel as rotten as I did at the beginning. Which That's is nice. excellent. Look Excellent. at that.
1: The Random Wrestling Review podcast, a cure for hangovers. We finally found it. Uh, and that's all we've got time for. We will be back again next week. But until then, take care.